When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Foundation and Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Foundation on Apple TV+. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking Season 2, Episode 9, Long Ago, Not Far Away. Uh, Aaron, what did you think of the penultimate episode of the season? Is that a uh, nod to Star Wars? I think so. It's gotta I, be. I, I, I felt like this is an episode is kind of loaded to the brim with uh, old sci-fi references, which we'll, I'll, I'll point that as we go. Um, I love this episode. I thought this episode is cool. I thought this episode is great. I have one lingering question that I amassed on subsequent. Well, I think I've watched this four times because I, I did another thing where I watched this episode, the second recorded last one, and I had a almost two week wait, uh, which will be the last time this happens to me because tonight I'm gonna watch the finale and then it'll be then I, then I'll have the same God knows how long wait for the next one with everybody else, but. Mm -hmm. I I said as soon as I watched this, like this is a hell of an episode of Foundation and it's audacious and it's cool and it's got a lot of big ideas. Um, The only thing I acquired is like a a little question on second or, you know, subsequent watches is. So how the hell is Corporal Harry, Corporeal Harry alive still? Um, Good question. I thought thought that uh, Gail said she felt him die, felt him drown. So. I have a I have a big que- uh, a, a question about that, but I think the more I've thought about it, I think the answer might lie in this episode. I mean, we got tons of Demerzel stuff, got tons of Cleonic Dynasty stuff, a space battle that was fucking cool. What what more can I ask for? How about you, Jim? Yeah, um, sometimes shows aim to subvert your expectations. And they fall on their face because they subvert them too hard or they're just trying too hard. And this is not one of those shows. This episode of Foundation absolutely subverted every expectation I had. Um, Mm. But both as somebody who has read that first book, I think there's a lot of deviations. Um, As I recall, it's been a while, but as I recall, a lot of deviations. But they all felt like they were right for this show. Um I'm not one of those like adaptation purists who needs to have everything kind of line up with the source material. Uh, I, I appreciate it when the expanse went off the the rails of the books uh, quite sure. a bit. I think it improved a lot of things. I think here, everything they're doing that is not, you know, 100% canon as far as the books go is really impressing me. Uh, if they were doing it poorly, I'd have some choice words to say, but they're not. They're They're kind of nailing it. This episode sort of blew me away with how hard it subverted everything I thought I wanted. And and not just subverted, like, I was convinced down till the shockwave hit Polly that Harry was going to pull out some kind of planetary Mm -hmm. defense aura Mm -hmm. and it was all going to, like, the Empire was going to be impotent. Like, 
there was like so many things like oh this is going to be the thing that saves them uh uh-huh. you're going to walk into the null field it's going to be your ass empire oh harry's showing up as a hologram you're going inside the vault he's going to pull you apart yeah. adam by adam's son like what yeah. uh I was and, and like, then the planet shatters, and it's definitive, right? There's no chance oh, there's that anybody no, survives. I mean, look, you can do anything as long as you do it well. So, uh-huh. like, there's a part of me that says a lot of the foundation does things with uh, smoke and mirrors and illusion on a grand scale. Is it possible that they have moved their entire planet and there's a hollow planet or a recreate? I mean. Again, I'm not saying that yes, yes, it should be definitive, but the technology involved. I'm just saying that, like, I can't believe how just my jaw was dropped at the apparent destruction of everything that we had worked up to this point. Like, Mm -hmm. there ain't going to be a first foundation. That's audacious. Which, yeah, I mean, that's where I get to the point of, like, how hard are they subverting expectations from the books? And that feels like a pretty strong deviation. Um, But they've also, like, they had this thing where, like, the first foundation is about the second. So are they going to do a thing uh like, well, the second foundation is actually the first foundation and there's a super secret third foundation led up by the the fucking ghost of uh, uh, Harry's son um, or the ghost that was orbiting Halcyon or whatever, like... I, that, that that's the thing it's like i and and then you're talking about like what i would consider minor deviations uh for the first time i started looking at this episode and wondering if like they might swerve on some of the big like uh you know mass humanity versus individual action questions mm, you know, and, and stuff yeah yeah and like i don't think that's invalid you know like we have foundation the, the 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 book series if goyer wants to do something a little bit more individualist and a little bit more less you know deterministic like i think that's a fine interpretation um but i'm just saying like i yeah like it it, it might you know like I, I like even things that i would think i would take for granted like the psychohistory is 100% correct it has to be right like i don't even know if that's necessarily on the table um yeah, and, and yeah, I don't know I, that, that that one issue needs to be like the master thesis of this whole show, right? It can deal right. with multiple ideas. Um, it's it's hopefully going to have a long run. So I, I do too. If we spend five seasons with, you know, determinism versus individual will and mass action mm-hmm. kind of stuff, does, does that get boring somewhere uh, along the way? Maybe. We can, we can deal the with other is, themes as well. Like the the closest show I can think of to like delving into those issues, I can think of like devs that didn't get old for eight episodes. Uh, Westworld, but I don't think the things that I got that got old on Westworld were its existential, philosophical, deterministic, free will, mm-hmm. consciousness. That shit never got boring. It's just like all the other cruft that was uh, you know added onto the story. So it's like I. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, but I, I love philosophical navel gazing like that. This, you know, I've, I've said it's like one of the reasons that like I, I kind of, um, I'm nervous for this show in a way that I'm not usually on a lot of shows because other shows, yeah, okay, you know, if it, if it fails, oh well, that'll be fun to cover. If it succeeds, you know, obviously that's good too. I want this show to work because I, I, I love science fiction, and we are on like a real renaissance of science fiction right now. We're coming on like I can't think of a decade like we've had. Uh, 
So well, it feels yeah, like there's high I, stakes for this, and I, I don't I don't want to put too much pressure on the people making it, but in my mind, like this is a test of very high budget sci-fi mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. the modern you know fandom environment, and we did that test with like fantasy stuff with kind of started with Lord of the Rings but we really got to it with Game of Thrones and I feel like that kind of killed a lot of the excitement in the genre when Game of Thrones ended and it was just this big kind of wet blanket over everything yeah. um, you don't want the sci-fi they're not still making fantasy and then you look at you know what the, happened with the latest Lord of the Rings show and it's like ah man I don't want sci-fi to go down that route because sci-fi hasn't had the big boost that fantasy had you know, 20 years Not ago yet. Right. Uh, going through it right now still i, I want sci-fi shine... to get there so i don't want this to like fall on its face and apple be like ah oh, we're pulling the plug on all our sci-fi stuff it's wild because people would be like well there's star trek and there's star wars and marvel arguably all that science fiction too that's true but that mm-hmm. for some reasons it's own thing like marvel and star wars and star way. trek being being popular and important have had nothing to do with the rest of science fiction in right. my entire life for 50 years now right <laughs> And then, like, if they, if, if Goyer's to be believed, they're still giving a fraction of the budget to Foundation that House of the Dragon gets, mm-hmm. that the Lord of the Rings uh, fucking Rings of Power gets, all those kind of things do. And, like, yeah, I would love a, a big, beefy hit. Like, I loved Expanse, but it was not a big, beefy hit. I would love mm-hmm. a big, beefy hit that, like, Hollywood takes, sits up and takes notes. Like, holy shit, we can throw $300 million dollars at right. one of these but we can yeah and see what we can really come come up with mm-hmm. uh so yeah i i think i and i was thinking like i don't like last season i was really on pins and needles because there's some things about the show i didn't think were working as well as others and i was just like oh god i hope they stick to landing i hope they stick to landing and i thought they did mm-hmm. this season nine episodes in with one to go feels like such a confident step forward in everything like everything i'm like gee whiz i wish the show would improve on they have all mm-hmm. the things i'm like this show is a strength i hope they continue to play into it they have um I'm just incredibly pleased and I'm, I'm like I don't I'm trying to think of like how could they fuck up the finale sure uh, sure because <laughs> all I want to do is watch it and see but like I yeah I think I think we're going to come I think we're going to come away with a pretty satisfying season here Jim yeah no this is the epic scale kind of uh, operatic Shakespearean type of thing uh, that I think sci-fi has been searching for for a while uh, I, I remember like watching was that Ridley Scott show um, raised by oh, raised wolves, by wolves yeah. and thinking oh this could be it right this could uh-huh. be the sci-fi TV show that really makes a mark that thing petered out almost immediately yeah. for me I, I tried to watch it twice got three episodes in and shut it off I know times. I was gonna say you thought you think that after the first episode by third episode it's like uh-huh. honk shoe honk shoe but uh so and I know I the mean, show has getting... its has its fans I don't want to talk shit about it but uh, for sure for sure but getting 20 episodes into this show now uh, almost next week um it, and seeing it continue to get better is really kind of energizing me as a sci-fi fan and it's just really also like i think it fits in so well to apple tv plus's other portfolio like they are like yeah. uh, to me coming up with the reputation for this is where smart television goes to thrive mm-hmm. you know other other channels are where it goes maybe to die but uh <laughs> you know they're yeah. they're making and then there's like i don't i don't like everything they're doing like the invasion <laughs> show not a super huge fan of that but uh they're doing enough like really smart really creative adult work 
um and and ever since the word that uh i i dig it and you know we haven't even got to the performances yet yeah uh that scene with bell and glaywin uh succeeds pretty much on the back of their the, their 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 performances and yep. the relationship that they've built in just a scant few minutes of screen time uh yeah, I, I just man, and then then you're like, then you, you got the the usual suspects where you got the Jared Harris and uh, Lee Pace, and Lee Pace, Laura. and yeah. Laura Brin. All of them are just absolutely incredible, top tier talent at the height of their game. Uh, excellent script, stakes that I was like on pins and needles about. It's a great mm-hmm. penultimate episode. Yeah, I can't yeah, wait great. to see because like it's just such a table flip too. <laughs> right that's what i mean man expectations i had them and they got blown away all right let's get into the recap yeah yeah let's do it all things have a cycle first the podcast then the ad another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Math is never just numbers, and this isn't just a podcast. We're back with more Foundation. All right, we start off on Trantors. A mere 610 years ago, you know, that's another way I was subverted here. I thought we'd be going farther back, but 610 Mm. years ago. A modest. Yeah, we get the story of a young prince, uh, and somehow there are going to be familiar characters 610 years ago. He finds the passage in the mural, which leads to the prison where he finds a segmented Demerzel. She's being held in like, uh, you know, those books where they have transparencies inside and they show like the cardiovascular yeah. system and the musculature of humans. And yeah. they're all laid over each other. You can flip the page uh-huh. to see each one. It's what this is. Uh, he keeps it secret through the years as he listens to her stories of earth and robot wars, but she wants to be freed. And I think he, he knows this. And he's in crisis because he's about to become emperor after his mother de- his mother's death as a young man we would recognize as Dawn. Um, and Demerzel tries to use his sort of distraught state as a means of escape, but doesn't quite work then. Many years later, however, when he is the Lee Pace version, the, the day version of himself, uh, he comes back to reintegrate her and get another story. And she begins seducing him sexually. And many years later, he comes back as Dusk to say he's called off his marriage because his fiance wasn't her. And then he implants this chip in her that gives her the freedom to harm all humans except for him and restricts her from leaving her body. And then he clues her in on his clone plan and asks her to love him. And she agrees. At 16 Jesus. minutes of the episode. I know, man. I thought it's you were going to recap scene. the whole fucking thing. Oh, my God. I <laughs> was still... Uncut, man. What do I do? I'm, str- I'm trying to hold on to this chicken joke I want to make, and you're just going on and on. 
Uh, hey, don't blame me. Blame the first 60 minutes of this episode. Um, when I found that the Cleon's name means famous, uh-huh. I immediately thought of like Terrence Mann dressed up as the Colonel and like famous Cleon's chicken. <laughs> okay. I, I need there to be in the Galactic Empire famous Cleon's chicken. Mm hmm. Uh, and if someone wants to do some fan arts of Terrence Mann sure. in uh, a, a white version of his uh, of his dusk uh, dusk attire, that's what he comes in with the Dimmerzel. He's spent his whole life Dimmerzel. I figured it out. There's eleven secret herbs and spices that I've managed to combine. All right, yeah, send me a twelve um, piece. The other the, one of the other science fiction shoutouts I thought was like when they called her the segmented w- woman. I, I had to think of the illustrated man. The Ray Bradbury classic mm-hmm. short story collection, the framing device of which is a freak show worker whose body is covered in animated tattoos that he claims were put on him by a witch that could foretell the future. Um, and I thought it's, it's kind of like just a, a nod, um, but it was like a really a cool detail, like that she's been pinned up like an anatomy. Mm hmm doll or like i you you said the like a, the cell shaded you know the things they have in anatomy books i, I thought of like those uh, bodies exhibits you know where they oh, plastine yeah. people and slice them up and you can see through um mm-hmm. and i yeah, i it's, thought because it's, it's kind of horrifying and also an interesting way to imprison a being that has a distributed consciousness yeah, That's which they thinking. gave us a couple more hints about that in this episode. Um, but I thought uh, I, so because like, I, I talked last episode is like how this could be very Scooby Doo. You got you know an emperor just accidentally finds this chamber. I actually was charmed by the fact that the young Cleon. It was a complete accident. Like this, he wasn't destined for greatness. He was just a boy counting the number of faces that were in, you know, worked into the carvings and stuff. And he's touching each one as he goes. And that eventually led him to the mural that led him down to this robot dungeon. Um, And it's such a (sighs) mythical story, you know, like finding a genie and a prison genie that, you know, has all this immense power, but it's also got all this immense danger and a young, it, it felt very like a fable, you know, mm-hmm. self-contained within this larger universe. Um, is it strictly speaking true? It, I, I ask you this, do you, do you, do you, do you have any reason to doubt the veracity of anything that Cleon one is saying here? No. I felt because we to see me. it. Yeah, and it, it, it's not flattering, right? Like, if, I think if it, no. if a flattering portrayal would have him give her the choice before he put it in the chip, but like mm-hmm. this feels like a, an honest recounting, warts and all. The fact that did Dimmerzel really love her, him, or did she just try to manipulate a kid to let her out? Is she mm-hmm. she's a leader of a robot faction that was very powerful, one of the last ones to hold out? So she has it in her nature to wage effective war against humankind. Everything I found out about Dimmerzel just made it so much more fascinating. Yeah, um, we find out some information uh, about her identities that she's had over the years. I She for sure has a, had other names that she's gone by, perhaps even other appearances. It's not, it's, it's not certain, but it's kind of implied when he says, you know, I'm restricting you from leaving this body. Mm-hmm. I think she said something else too about she's had different forms um, in a previous scene. So like, yeah, I'm I'm guessing that she uh, has had 
yeah, just just tons of different physical forms. And it's it, interesting when she was telling some of the fables she's talking about when the robots had to go into hiding and she said the big ones hid in big places and the little ones hid in little places where they folded up their knees by their ears. And I was thinking of like, you know, like how big or how big was the biggest artificial robot? Are they as big as like those mining, the the, the lithium mining equipment on that one planet Did they have mm-hmm. like, you know, if, if you look at what the foundation is doing with human brain hybrid starships like did it start that way and they're bootstrapping it back i i thought that stuff was re- really cool Eighteen thousand years yeah. old she's been in constant operation yeah um and that was 610 years ago so she's closer to 19 now true who's counting uh um, they, they explicitly mention earth in this episode so we know that we are in fact in the same universe um this is the milky way yeah and why, yeah, maybe why? In the same galaxy you you haven't you haven't read any of the books so you're a good well you have read the first book um mm-hmm. so you're a good litmus test to talk about this stuff with um what what is the significance of earth in the story if any like wh- why is it important to establish that this is earth why do you, do you is, is there any is it just flavor background flavor do you think there's That's a what plot it feels point? like to me so far um they may introduce some import to it later but yeah i'm not picking up anything that it really matters this could be earth or this could be seti alpha 5 for all i care right could be another sly star wars inversion where you know like it's that whole thing is uh galaxy far far away but this is you know mm-hmm yeah, very so, close to it's, home. It's, it's the other famous galactic empire, and they're trying to differentiate themselves. She uh, said they she's been in this, this chamber for five thousand years, which, like, <sighs> I was sitting there trying to imagine it, imagine the feeling, but it's not on human time scale, so I really can't. And it's also she doesn't have strictly speaking human feelings. Like one of the things we learned is when this um, they name checked this emperor uh, Abaranus. Um, who is a canonical foundation or uh, you know, galactic empire emperor? I don't know where these are all compiled or like you know there there's a mention at various points in the series, but this is one of the early ones. He the only thing they did that the uh, the foundation wiki had on him is that he was responsible for enacting the law codes of Aberanus, which includes the forbidding of the denigration of public officers of the empire. So he's the first guy who made it illegal to insult. An imperial official. Um, I don't know if there's anything that, that that ties in with that, but the fact that this guy was exceptionally cruel and uh, he was torturing her, but the way she didn't say I felt pain, she says he liked to imagine that I felt pain, and so I produced mm-hmm. tears, you know, to try to like curry favor with him. I'm not saying that Dimmerzel can't feel pain, but I don't think that she can feel physical pain. She definitely feels emotional distress. You can you can see it. You, you oh, she shed a tear when she realized what she lost in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Which, and is that fake in the context of this? Is that just a consequence of what she thinks Cleon wants her to feel in that moment? Right. Because she's still, like, that's the question we ask is, you know, is 600 years later, is she still playing the game? And I would say, of mm-hmm. course, because what 600 years uh, uh you know what's 60 years in against 6000 what's 600 years versus and and i the other thing is like we're talking about her what what she feels is like i don't think that she strictly speaking feels the way humans do 
she feels things, mm. but like boredom and the passage of time and all like, I don't know what it's like to experience to a robot for 5,000 years. Can they just kind of like go into a low power state and like those things like fly by like a night of sleep to us? Are they consciously aware and going insane like Harry talks about being stuck in the prime radiant? Um, Doesn't seem like it if she's been in there imprisoned for 5,000 years. But what does uh, a sane robot look like? This It doesn't sure. look like this one. <laughs> eh, I mean, maybe it does. I, I don't know. Let I me ask you this. For sane or insane robots. There was a span of five seconds where Demerzel had freedom, true freedom. Like uh, the narrator said, she could have strode forth out there, broken Cleon's neck, and then probably with her skills and abilities, probably could have uh, been off the world and done whatever she wanted. Restart the mm -hmm. robot wars, whatever. Which was a fear of the the other emperor. Um, why? Why didn't she? Why did she hesitate and let Klingon Klingon open her neck up and install a new chip? Was there a, some is love she, there? Is she still bound in that moment by the three laws? Certainly not. I right? can't With imagine a robot happened. war criminal would yeah. still have yeah. So I don't know. I mean, there there could be genuine feeling here. I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, or just like some though, kind of gratitude. You're... Like, did she feel those? Was this some kind of like mistaken? You know, like, well, mm -hmm. I'll just see. I'll hear his proposal out, and not thinking that because it seemed to me that she didn't think he was capable of this. Yeah, yeah. She said, "This is cruel. This is beneath you. This isn't who you are." Yeah, um, and I, I think over to what she tells Day later in this episode, uh, Cleon the 17th or whichever he is, um, about having failed in her mission to raise him into the the kind of leader he needed to be. I wonder if she thought she had succeeded with this Cleon the 1st in kind of grooming him. That's and what I was getting to. So she trusted that... him because of she trusts her own ability to groom him, and then turns mm -hmm. out she couldn't. And I wonder if, like, every Cleon, when she shoves him into the disintegrator field, there's a little bit of, like, I fucked up with this one, too, but maybe next time I'll do better. Like, she's trying sure. to get to, like, a Cleon that won't disappoint her because every single one. It must be, it must be, like, I mean, if you were a mortal, you'd say it's infuriating and exhausting that, like, you start off this innocent boy that you admired had some kind of affection for like going back hundreds of years and he always turns into some power hungry narcissist no matter what you do because mm. it's the same man you're raising again and again and again uh which can i just throw this out there i is there a yeah. case for demerzel having tainted the line of cleon the first in order to try and deviate from that man who she cannot it's there's a lot of interesting things to point break out so the from. next the next time we see Klingon one and Demerzel will be in the first season when there he's be, you know, he's realizing he's not going to live long enough to see the culminations of his plans, but they've got the first yeah. clone ready to go. And the programming Space is elevator. being completed. This is a much old, this is a brother dusk version. We have a mm -hmm. kind of a young looking, I guess, brother dusk configuration Klingon one. So there's like a, what, I don't know, 20, 30 years in between these next two scenes. Mm -hmm. um, we debated about, when they talked about the programmers finishing their work, I'm not so sure Cleon is done with the one chip. He might like come like he, he there might be all kinds of moves and counter moves from like what Demerzel tries to do and what she's able to do because she has a large amount of um, 
uh, latitude because she engages in uh, negotiations and missions on behalf of the Empire that Day, Dusk, Dawn have no idea. Like she mm-hmm. she does at the end of this episode and says, hey, that's one of the reasons you're so fucked up. I was so busy trying to unfuck the Empire when you were growing up that you kind of came, you know, you just pff, try again next generation, kid. Does uh, mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, I, I guess does all that track? I, I could definitely see programming being updated on that chip um, and her being given freedoms or more restrictions depending on the scenario. I would think more restrictions. Like, you're personally loyal to me, uh-huh. but is there some way that you found out a way to not... Or, and is, is Yeah, like, to your point, though, her perverting the genetic dynasty would be her first play to get freedom. Right, right. If she but, continues, you know, her her subservience under this same man forever it's going to result in the same problem right she won't ever be able right. to raise that kid into the man that's going to free her but, he, but if he she can change the pretty, man himself at the genetic it's pretty level clear. Maybe. it's pretty clear that he says they'll be you'll they'll have my code and so they'll be you'll be loyal to them that there it is a tied up that like she is loyal to this genetic individual seems so yeah yeah, but I wonder because the thing is like okay, so her her evil robot plan is well, I'm going to pollute his gene pool so he's no longer the same person and I can rebel. But that itself is a rebellion. So I wonder if they're exploring some kind of like Cleon forgot to include the or by omission of action, mm-hmm. and she yeah. saw a threat and a plan that she just decided not to Dimmerzel. Could be. Uh-huh. Uh, but it also could be the story of her trying her damnedest best to keep the galaxy stitched together. Because she said what I thought it was spooky what she said. She goes, I spent your formative years trying to stitch together the tattered remains of the Empire, implying that she's realized she's completely failed. So Seems what like does it. Dimmerzel do now? If she re- Is she free now? Does she, like, is she calling it? Like, okay, well, this, this Empire's <laughs> dead. Empire's I'm, dead. I'm no longer bound to be loyal to it? Does she have the authority to do that in her own mind? If Cleon forbid her from leaving right now, mm-hmm. would he? And can he? Sure. All like, are there questions. orders that he could give to Demerzel that she could just ignore? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Direct orders? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because we've seen Day be disagree right like i go back to the the snapping of don's neck in season one day vehemently disagreed with that dusk was the one pushing her and she technically there disobeyed him though he didn't give a direct order not to kill don so i don't know and could she okay let me ask you this so it's funny because goyer said that it's his personal head canon he's careful not i don't think he's saying that it's canon but he said, in, in my mind, uh, once Cleon smashed up the Emperor, that uh, she killed him. How can Dimmerzel kill any Cleon? Like, is it only po- is, is this something she can only do when they're corrupt? They have corrupted genetic code. That's what, that's what made me wonder. Like, did she corrupt the genetic code? Because yeah, I, I would think like. What what it, what can it key on, right? What can this device key on to keep her from harming an individual? Mm-hmm. It has to be some kind of genetic code. And if that drifts to. far enough away, that you know, that might not be a criteria anymore. Or that criteria yeah. could be invalid. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe this is a plan. maybe this maybe she has not been under their 
actual control for a very long time. She's simply been using them as a means to an end to rule the empire. That's a mouthpiece. That's what it seems like. Because like it's also telling what the the older Klingon when he finds out about this, it's not like, oh, okay, well this is cool now. He's angered and incensed. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, that's a cool scene too. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, there's I, I, so much in this episode. I was gonna say, have we covered everything here? Um, uh, yeah, well, let's go back to that for a second because I she the end of this scene is really poignant and interesting, right? Because like. Cleon here is viewing this as an act of love and requesting her love in return and she grants it but come on so I don't why think is she granting free. it I mean he then says like I, oh how I wish I had asked before I had made it compulsory right so uh, like she, she's talking about how this is not freedom you are you are you are not giving me freedom here that is not love either and I don't know that Cleon is registering that in the moment that he, she has, Cleon, she has not gained freedom and he has not gained love. I think yes, but Cleon sees it as a good bargain because from his position, he doesn't have freedom or love either. Oh yeah, he, he has I mean, he has obligations and destiny and duty and chains and restrictions mm-hmm. and you know he's like giving her. I know it's, it's an interesting bargain. It's like he didn't he didn't ask to be plucked out of unconsciousness and thrown into a body and you know made this and she didn't ask for but like he's kind of like tough titties. But now mm-hmm. we're in we're in this together. You know, you want your freedom, I want my freedom. Neither one of us can have it. Yeah, but and I'll be loyal they're... to you, and you'll be loyal to me. And but but I mean, obviously, yeah, this is like it's uh it's it's, it's some it's a it's some twisted shit. And you, it makes you wonder, like, what kind of agency does Demerzel have? Like, she has some. Like, she has this. She can choose to start intimacy with the children or not. Uh, mm-hmm. That's pretty. That's what I would call wide fucking latitude. So, how does she make decisions of state that the other de- the other exponents are not of? I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's super fascinating. And and you're like you mm-hmm. said up up to like 160 years ago, maybe she just gave up and they're like like they or wait, Dust said our royal asses are just keeping the throne warm for her. Yeah, it's entirely possible. It feels like, yeah. In fact, I think that's this the story they're they're telling. And it's also inter- I thought it's interesting how we referred to these children. He doesn't call them. He kills calls them our children once when he's trying to appeal to him. But then he's like. These half men, he calls them. Like he does not have any. They, 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 he, he likes to refer to them as brothers when it's convenient, but that's not how Cleon mm-hmm. saw this. This Cleon saw this as a way. I don't know to make it up for Dimmerzel because he also said like, oh, the well, the three of us triple her love, and that'll be enough for anyone. Like I don't know. He's got this weirdly weird conception of what it is to to be free and to be loved, and if he can't have it, no, no one can. Yeah, I really like the voice they're writing this from too. Um, it, it's very much that ruler's plight kind of voice, right? I mean, the way he's talking about ruling as a prison and how he doesn't actually have freedom. Any any per, any common person would look at the ruler of a nation and say, well, they have the ultimate freedom, right? They're free to break the laws. They're free to make the laws, do anything they want. And yet the people inside that system would very much look at it as shackles of a sort. And I, I think they do a really good job, like staying in that voice with all these characters. And the fact that he doesn't consider the, the, what this scene really reminded me of. Remember that um, 
in Mad Men where Don Draper had like this housewife that he was busy at a conference, but he wanted her at the hotel and he's like, oh, just wear this leg lingerie and read this erotic novel and just want me and I'll be back. And she like takes off and leaves and he's like, what happened? She's like, what? What was supposed expect? to sit there and be in a sexual froth for like 12 hours or whatever? I mean, that's probably hot for you as you're, you know, in between meetings. Like, oh, my God, this woman's waiting for me. Ah, and then you can go back. But like for me, like what does yeah. what the fuck is this for me? And it's like the revelation is like, oh, shit. Like my fantasy. I got big Don Draper energy from like. Mm hmm dusk rolling in there i'm gonna call him dusk Klingon, old Klingon one like i figured it all out dimmerzel this is how we can all get what we want but it's just i i i me 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 and not really thinking mm -hmm. about what she valued and yeah and i also thought it was really something interesting about when he asked her i love do you love me and she answers she goes to, to do that characteristic position where she puts her hands over her navel i thought that was interesting too because like, I, you know, if you if you look into new agey kind of things on Eastern philosophies, like the navel is like a spiritual center of a person's being. It's like where our like some of our energies are generated from. It represents our first connection to a human being, the umbilical cord to our mother, the scar uh, that's remained when that's that connection is severed. It, it represents our connection to humanity. It's super interesting that Demerzel closes that off when she assumes this role and that none of the Cleon exponents even have navels. Yeah. I sound belly button obsessed, but I swear to God, this makes <laughs> this makes sense in my head. Like that there's something like no, that they are incapable of forming connection because that part of them spiritually is just gone. It doesn't mm -hmm. exist. It was taken yeah. from them by this father, brother, bastard that they have. Mm-hmm. No, I like it. It's a hell of a first scene. Uh as just a warm-up for the rest of the episode which is maybe even better uh let's go back to present day i feel much more comfortable there uh dusk is upset that dimmerzel is the real empire uh that he's talking still to cleon the first oh wait a second wait a second we we didn't discuss this what did you mm -hmm. make of the cleon the 17th or 16th i think what'd you make of him being in prison was like are we ever going to see him again or is he his um, cask of amantio that's where i was forever? getting to right now um, oh, he, I thought he said you, it's I, all going to be undone by day and Sarah's marriage, but Cleon the first seems to have other ideas. He's unbothered by this marriage comp entirely, and he imprisons Dusk and Rue inside the laser cell. Uh, yeah, this is this is crazy, right? Because it's not just Dusk who's in there; it's Rue as well. So Sarah's going to be like, "What the hell?" Day is going to be like, "What the hell?" Uh, and nobody's going to be able to find them. Is this Cleon the first that they're talking to? Is this actually like a Harry Seldon consciousness transfer that Timurzel communes with from time to time? It's possible. I mean, it doesn't need to be, I guess. Or can it be the canned responses that Goyer? But it seems like he about? knows about the wedding and he's not worried about it, and that he takes action to imprison himself. Mm -hmm. So. I forget. Did you answer my question of like, do you think we'll see these the, the Rue and this Cleon again, or are they done? Uh, if because who's like possibly they're done, save them? That's the thing. I don't know that anybody is going to be able to find them. So I think Dimmerzel probably done. Dimmerzel yeah. could save them if she wanted to, and she might because she's not happy. 
with the state of the empire and the way she mm. says she has and, and maybe this episode is giving us clue about what she means when she says empire the empire is the state institution not the man because mm-hmm. when she talks about the fraying ends of empire is she talking about like brother dusk and brother day and like oh i ignored you brother dawn because these guys were such messes or is she referring i think she's referring to the empire as a physical entity yeah, I, I think it's pretty evident now that political it's referring to her rule. Uh, she has been de facto ruler, at least in Cleon the First's mind, since the beginning of this clone dynasty. So I, I think she's referring to her own empire. Well, the other thing is, like, I don't think... Was Cleon's, Cleon's father the actual ruler? Because I got the idea that his mother was the one that was the head of state. She was, yeah. Because uh, okay. when she dies, so like, Don says, or you know, young Cleon the first says, "I'm, I'm about to become, become emperor." Emperor. So he was like the emperor consort. I think that's really interesting that there's this precedent in his mind for a, a woman ruling an eternal mommy. And and this is the the person that Day put up the statue for, right? Uh, the, yes, the massive statue in that stadium. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there, there's definitely something there that they're doing. I haven't quite sussed it out. Uh, but I don't know. We'll, we'll find out if we see them again. But in the meantime, let's go over to Ignis. Uh, we're in the middle of that ritual that Tellum was using to steal Gale's body. Now Salvor fights her way to the chamber to stop it. She uses the mind blockers to paralyze the metallics, remove Gale from the chamber, and they run away as they're being shot at. Um, It's pretty fucked. To like this whole ritual is like oh yeah, you, you can she's see dismantling how, her piece by piece. It's ugh. when she's compelling her to say these things, like but everyone, mm-hmm. the whole congregation seems like oh this is happening of her own free will, and like this has happened every single time. Uh, I is just chilling that she's just like n- taking her over, but but. I don't know, not giving her even any dignity in like the struggle at the end. I thought it was particularly mm-hmm. uh, enraging to watch happen. Uh, yeah, and I wonder how effective it was. I Is there going to be some remnant, because Tellum dies oh, in this shit. episode. Will there be some remnant of Tellum within Gale? Because there's a definite moment of possession or... I, I just noted that Salvor was a little bit too late. Hmm. Ah. by the tiniest of margins and then you look at the way the gale is acting as soon as she pulls her out of there and she's got this white glazed over eyes she's in a trance she's still stuck in it right yeah so like what yeah and if if that um sonic beam or whatever disrupted the psychic shenanigans going on like why didn't the white eye stuff started like was she her brain already started to be blue screen or i don't know man i uh I guess that that would be a valid, but it's another one. Is like, man, it's another avenue they can go down to. Like, <laughs> sure, yeah. Some people need to die uh, mm-hmm. and stay dead. I would say in this show, eventually. Yeah, no, <laughs> they I'm need to you. figure out. Um, but yeah, that could be. That could be. I hope not, but that could be. We'll see. Uh, let's go over to terminus now. The enclosure begins closing in. It begins in closing. Uh, Bell Rios meets with Constant and Hober. He asks a lot of questions, trying to figure out why he feels like he's being lured in. Constant says, well, maybe it's so you can catch the faith bug a little bit. And Bell gets word that the Empire is boarded and leaves. 
Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm really pleased to see how this whole thing played out. Uh, Bell seems like a reasonable person and a smart person. You know, mm-hmm. he feels like he's being baited here. Although, by the end of the episode, if it was a trap, the trap was not very effectively sprung in my mind. Uh, well, depends on how big the <laughs> trap is and what scale sure. and duration, like, you know, Harry says. Yeah. Along uh, time ask- scales, it's, everything's a trap. <laughs> uh, that, that wrist implant is just where they put the sleep drug in, right? That's how that interface I with the ship. I assume so. I assume I so. I thought the I coloring know. was different, and maybe that the that the spacers had done something to track him. But I thought he was just trying to make an excuse for, you know, just it sounded like he, yeah, yeah, he was just trying to, you know, make sure that he could get out of here if he needed to. But, uh, but I, I see but, this going a lot worse with somebody else, um, kind of at the helm of this interrogation. I, I, I was relieved to see that Bell was not going to use their feelings for each other against them that would feel ah. sort of like a betrayal of his character i think right um, right or you know a turn for his character at the very least sure. and, and by the end of it we we see how strong those that respect for love is right yeah and we see uh, its limits we see we see all of it his character's got a turn now though <laughs> like empire uh, is a son of a bitch if glaywin had died screaming beam me up scotty maybe but i i don't know man he he got the nod he got the go ahead from glaywin and i know it's easier because like all the end of the day it would have it would have it would have been what a delay of 30 minutes to go and grab glaywin off the planet yep send the drop pod down you know find the case and jump back up yeah Get, get him back in there uh or yeah just yeah i just forgot you just drop a case and let them jump in the orbit uh-huh. um and it's just like it's a special pettiness of the emperor that it had to happen yeah you know totally uh i don't see how you can walk back from that i don't see how a man like bell is well, going it's to gonna go test. forward and continue to serve especially when he sees that like dimmerzel's not in on this that you know, like I just think that it, like Empire just made just just really showed his ass this episode, his immaturity, like that that final shot of him just bathing in idiot delight at the destruction and the pain that he's caused is just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's, ev- it's it's every you know inbred king we've ever you know uh, the, the ruler we've ever seen oh, depicted sure. in fiction, it's every cruel tyrant. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the ultimate test of his loyalty to Empire and his oath, specifically, versus his affection for Glaywin. And I I feel like there's still very much an opportunity with Hober in the mix and Constant in the mix, their feelings for each other, for him to be sort of worn down from the conviction of his oath Mm. uh, or, or see the error in it, I guess. Um, but boy, that stuff from Glaywin this episode, mm. is, especially it's, it's, it's kind of reinforcing it. You know, he's saying you need to stay where you are because you're the only thing keeping trillions of other people from suffering even more pain. Well, that's right. He converted like there was a uh, infection of faith, and it's Glaywin and and Bell's unshakable faith that the Empire is the only thing that keeps civilization going. And it's a little wild that they come out here and met the the Foundation and still... But, like, 
I mean, like I, I like uh, I think Bell says, like uh, our dead man's hands on our switches are still way bigger and more powerful than yours at this time. And it, I guess I felt mm-hmm. true. I didn't think it was, but I guess it is true. Yeah, I, I heard this talking I the a very big game last him. episode, and seemingly he could not back it up. And I say seemingly. seemingly because we have one more episode in this season to go. And, and there's there's some hints there's some hints in this episode that not that like either this was planned uh or that there's more to it than it seems we'll see that's always my initial thought is there's more to this than it seems <laughs> but you know that sometimes could, the, you the, know. the writers could be tearing their hair out because like we're i mean we dropped a black hole in a planet how much more can we tell you that this planet's <laughs> right. over guys like yeah sometimes you know. a, a planet destruction <laughs> is just a planet destruction sometimes it is you know? freud but sometimes a win times, is just a win other times your consciousness is distributed. So what does it even mean, huh? Huh? <laughs> Fair. That's what I want to know. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I kept... The, the other thing about Bell's attitude in this particular scene is when he says... I think he's talking to Constant here. He says... You know, I, I, Empire may fall. In fact, I, I would even say Empire will fall, but not yet. That really mm. rang back to where Harry says in uh, episode four or something, in the flashback stuff, like, all empires fall eventually, right? And that's mm-hmm. all he's saying. He's, he's trying to speak some common sense to the galaxy. The empire will I, fall. We have to be ready for it. He's saying roughly the same thing here. He thinks empire will fall. And it's also interesting that there's like an inverse proportion in his mind between an empire's longevity and its power. Like the more power it tries to accumulate and influence, so effectiveness, that's another way to say it being effective, uh, the shorter it'll be lived because it'll piss people off, it'll rankle, it'll make... Exactly. The more it tries to not rankle and go for longevity, it has to sacrifice its power to keep the nobles happy, to make the people happy. I really liked that dichotomy they set up. It, It was something I hadn't thought about, but they're absolutely right. It is super interesting. It is super interesting that you either have to, at some point, sublimate your will to the will of other people outside your circle, or you have to wield power, which eventually, mm-hmm. due to enough times, makes you unpopular. I, I, I just say it's a neat little. I've never really heard a political theory like that before, but it seemed it, it survived five minutes of thinking about it, which is more than I can say for most novel political theories you hear floated on science fiction shows. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, then Bell goes to see Day and up on the bridge. Glewin relays the reconnaissance. Cleon chooses peace and goes down to the planet to meet with Foundation. Um, and afterward, Demerzel just tells Bell to perform his function, which is interesting. She chose him for a reason. Yeah, what? So that's that's what's had me spinning. Like, did she choose him because he's a good man and wouldn't follow an illegal order from the Emperor? In which case. <laughs> she fucking misjudged or did she pick him because he is a at the, his bottom a loyalist that will never disobey a direct order even though he had that's his thing that he's fame, infamous for is he disobeyed a direct order or is she searching for someone who can take over from the Cleonic dynasty as her mouthpiece as, as the, the face of empire for her and the way they constructed the dilemma is exactly what Glaywin was worried about He's like, you know, you were disobeyed the... disobeyed the orders. It's like, well, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. uh, saved the lives of hundreds of thousands of sailors. Oh, it's what civilians? It's okay. This is literally what came to pass. Yeah. 
yeah uh I don't know. It, it, there's a greater good argument to be made, but boy, it seems <laughs> in the moment it seems like a tough argument to make. It seemed like Bell was trying to find an ally. Like, ah, uh, if I could, you know, if Lady Demerzo would kind of like, yeah, he's scaring me, then mm, there's mm-hmm. a conspiracy afoot. But she shut him down hard. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because she has her own plan. I wonder if he had opened up communications with Harry Seldon, what would have happened? I think there would have been a lot. Well, I mean, he'd have to take everything he learned back today and day would still be just as incensed about it. But could he overthrow day? <laughs> I don't they, think so. I mean, I don't, do think I, Dimmer's, I don't know. Maybe yeah, with the fleet I, it, 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 it's honestly, if it, it, Dimmerzel allows it, it would happen. Cause I don't, yeah, I don't know the, it's just empire and like what? 30 dudes with him. He's got a whole fleet loyal to him. Right, that's a thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much of the fleet is super loyal to Bell. If it's just like his direct commands, or if this is the twentieth fleet, and they said that this is uh, absolutely loyal to him. Okay, well then, if there are at least nineteen others, I don't know that he stands a chance of taking out Empire with his fleet. We also now know what to call the model that we're asking for in merchandise. These uh, warships are called Trireme class warships, named after the old Roman and Greek uh, ships of war, the Mm -hmm. rowing galleys. Uh, So that was, uh, I thought that was, that was interesting. Um, They definitely have a design aesthetic, the Empire does. Oh yeah. Uh, This is the second time I I don't know, those Ships with rotating rings around a stationary cockpit seem to be all the rage right now. Mm-hmm. Sci-fi. So hot. Yeah. The B-wings were ahead of, ahead of the time. Yeah. The B-wings just put sure. the shit in the center. That would have, that would have stood the test of time. They'd be the mm-hmm. new X-wing, but they had to put it one side. It just wasn't <laughs> wasn't where it's at. Uh. Let's go over to Empire meeting with Cermak and Sut. And he gives them Polly as a gift and says he'd like to go see their church. So they take him there. Their hot church. Very hot, yeah. Uh, he sees that it's actually a factory. And Day demands a display of what Empire's money has bought them. So Polly shows off a device that can turn iron into gold. And that's cool. But Day then discovers that they've been giving away personal auras to anyone who wants them by the, by the crate full uh, he declares them a cult and resorts to violence as he leaves. I thought this was a great scene. Uh, and this uh, Kalvinder Gear, I guess, is the guy who's playing the adult Polly, was just amazing at showing this guy who's just terrified and doesn't have all that much faith to begin with, which we know. But like, and other characters, like the administrator is a person of no large faith either but like when he starts the sermon he's kind of timid but like the whole congregation kind of joins in and lends their power and support starting with the administrator and you can see him gaining power from it and like Mm -hmm. coming up with a pretty convincing you know the wonders he's seen and the gold spun from iron and uh, the changing metals at the point were changing the soul and uh, it's not the galactic spirit at the end. It's not supernatural, it's just progress. And the fact that like, oh, you guys are arms merchants. How much do you sell these to rabble? It's like, we just give it to people, which is just even worse in Empire's mind. I just thought it was inc- an incredible scene mm-hmm. that uh, had a lot of panache. Because the, the whole point in my mind is like, is this going to work? 
because it wasn't beyond my belief that the empire would try to do something new and like come mm-hmm. up with peace with the foundation which obviously wouldn't help the empire long run but but uh, yeah I, I thought it was great what did you did you yeah, and they have all even, this wealth uh, that they can create from seemingly nothing I mean these magical technologies they have a lot to offer empire if he would accept it yeah and like the other thing is like as my perspective is kind of like a secular atheist uh, a former fundamentalist um, I thought it was like you know like uh, it, it, it wasn't like offensive like this church of scientism I kind of for the first time you see where they're mm-hmm. going with it you know yeah um it's it's not about worship um it's about hearts and minds you know it's it's about winning some sort of equality some sort of uh community you know um that that's the vibe i was getting from it anyway yeah like what are you know what is what do you believe in to save you do you believe in a far off empire do you believe in your community and the technology that you have available do you believe in do you have faith in your own self and your sense of pride yeah i i i just really liked it and i think this uh this poly guy has been just a great character and really yeah. hurt to see him get sucked into singularity in this episode uh-huh and and also day look is as 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 the more butch he tries to look the weaker he comes across like when he screams you know when he he calls for the high cleric to put on a dog and pony show, and you know when Polly's not doing it fast enough, him screaming now, and then he slaps him and kicks him and does it just makes him look so weak. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, you know who else looks weak? The Who's new that? warden. I'm just gonna say it. New warden looks very <laughs> uncomfortable. First day on the job, vampire shows up. <laughs> Yeah, the last guy got incinerated by the ghost of Harry Seldon. Uh, now this fucker shows up. I just, you know. I'm sure she'll be a fine warden someday, but boy, mm-hmm. it's a rough transition for her. She's no Salvor. Nope. Just try flip, flipping a coin, see when it tells her. Uh, so we go up real quick to the ships again where Bell begins to seize the Invictus, but it powers up and readies for battle, and they launch the Whisper Fleet, and I'm like... Uh oh, we've got some ships with some crazy powers. We don't even know what kind of ships they're going to have, other than the jumping capability. They kind of were nothing. I, I was not impressed by the Whisper Fleet. Let's say, um, and I'm not talking about they like technically or from yeah. Story they seem to match. They were fairly weak. They they seem to be in size and scale a match more than a match for the Imperial fighters actually. Um. It's not, but not clear enough to, to me. protect the the Invictus, which no, you're right. But like, I expected some almost magical capabilities from them. And when the Invictus opened up, I really thought that they were in trouble. Like I thought they were telling the turtles, mm-hmm. like of them being like flabbergasted at how much power and 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 ferocity this thing was fighting with. And so, if you're looking for a hope that this is all a misunderstanding, this is all some Selden trickery. Uh, I thought it's interesting that Captain the the Invictus is trying to buck up this young ensign, you know, who's looking scared and out of place, and he's like, you know, is this your first combat? She's like, yeah, it's mine too. In fact, most of us, I got uh, have have never seen combat before. Um, but he said something like, "There's the I I, I, can't, I can't remember if he said the whole troop or it's that the whole company has a part to play tonight." But he used the word of like it's stagecraft, you know. Uh, hmm. 
which you know, is illusory in its in its tone, right? And when they're getting beaten, like when they when the ship is exploding and they realize it's uh, they they all just kind of kind of st- calmly step back from their consoles. They didn't seem like a a a, a bunch of green young recruits grappling with the idea that they're about to die. So so the the shot that I remember most vividly from that scene is when the commander steps away from the console, his hands are shaking. Are they shaking? I just noticed he took him off the con. Uh. They felt very shaky to me. Maybe that's just the actor or maybe that's so, intentional, but because I, I don't scared. believe that I don't if these guys are in on it, they're in on it because they know they're not going to die. And I don't know why their hands would shake. Um, and I don't, if they were in on it, like I don't think Harry would tell them, like, "Hey, I'm going to use you to sacrifice and as a as potential sacrifice in a way to try to end this one last time bloodlessly." He wouldn't tell them that, right? That like, no, Harry would lie to them, and then yeah, he, he's if like, they survived oh, afterward, he'd say, "I lied to you all. Now do this right. other thing." Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So like, I I felt like there was some trickery going on there. Hmm. There could be, there could be, but I want to take it at face value. I, I until I see actual evidence of trickery, I'm going to take it at face value because it's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, I thought Dimmerzel throughout these scenes, like once the Empire essentially declares he's ready to execute judgment, she, the rest of her scenes, she's played like a higher alert. Her like head swiveling to like in sharp you know inhuman movements he's like a praying mantis head um mm-hmm. her manners are sharp she's demanding she's always saying we should leave we should get the fuck out of here uh Demerzel looked afraid and stressed out yeah you don't see not a look you see very much on her on his way back to the ship day spots the vault and heads for it and we'll get to that here in a second um but we also see bell launching the fighters with glaywin leading them and that's going to be costly later. Gives him his Imperial Command necklace mm-hmm. as a good luck. So much for that. Uh, and then we go back over to Gale and Salvor, who reach the beggar. Salvor gives Gale the Radiant and hangs back to cover her escape. And she ends up fighting Loron eh, and kind of kind of Hugo, you know, the guy who can make himself look like Hugo, while Telem confronts mm-hmm. Gale inside the ship. Tellum takes the radiant from Gale and goes into her mind to guilt trip her first as her father and then over Salvor's death. But in this vision, Tellum gets accosted by the mule in Gale's mind and overpowered. And then Gale and her start fighting in the real world, I assume. I assume, I assume there could be trickery involved. Who knows? Uh, Gale begins to whip Tellum's ass and Salvor struggles with Loron. Yeah, that all happened. I some it, I, sometimes I get I get irritated when characters fall for the same joke over and over and again or the same trick. Like it drives me crazy in zombie films where like you're six months into the zombie apocalypse and like grandma's been in the upstairs room mm-hmm. for and there's thumping around up there and you know fucking Jim Bob comes in there, mama, mama, what's wrong with you? Why are you groaning like an animal? And he gets his fucking neck bit. Yeah. And I'm like Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, he, she falls for Hugo a lot, but in my mind, it's like an acid trip where it's like, you, you, you know, you, you might know that your nightstand isn't made out of laser beams, 
But if you like triple or that dose, you you could not. No, there's no intellectual exercise you could engage to say you're not seeing the thing. And to me, when she's projecting this thing, she's not saying like, oh, he's trying to Hugo joke. It's like in her mind, that is Hugo. Yeah, she's under the mental influence of this telepath. Right? Yeah, it's she's not like, oh, this is crazy. Was it's like, yeah, it's a hundred percent real to her in every context. So it made it like super effective. Like how it'd be so disorientating to try. And and I think it might actually cost her something. Like because uh, I, I Laura is is, is Laurent? Yeah, Laurent. Mm-hmm. Did he die? Did she kill him at the end there? Uh, yeah, she sucks all the oxygen out of the airlock, and he's just dead. I mean, I would buy that she, he doesn't, you know, if he shows up alive, I I could buy that she saves him. But like, I, it seems like she wanted to kill him and the guy died as Hugo and it seemed like it cost her something to do that. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. She probably felt like it was real. Um, She's already lost so much in her young life. You know, she watched her father die. Everyone she knows is dead because of <laughs> entropy. Uh and uh mm-hmm. and now this yeah yeah i guess if i were going to point to a part of the episode and say this is weaker than the other part of the episode the question in my mind keeps ringing as why don't they just unthink her mind why why doesn't tell him unthink gail's mind unthink salvor's mind unthink harry's mind everybody's All mind right. unthink i win i have a fan cannon okay i don't think this is actually tell him here I don't think Telen could get her ass from the temple to here before Gale and Salvor. Like her people, your people might know, but you're old and weak. I think she's mentally projecting herself. So she's like fighting Gale with like a fraction of her total strength. And the other what was the other question. I mean, Harry beats her brains in with a stick. Is that is that reasonable oh, to assume? Fuck. You're right. You got me. So sick ass. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. How did she get here? So hauls fast? her ass off that stone slab and hustles down and beats these these young women. These young <laughs> Laura, fit, Lauren fit carried women. her on his back. Uh, maybe I'd buy it. He's, he's a, pretty strapping. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's a big strapping dude. Yeah. Um, I, that's a good question though. I don't know because I was thinking like, wait, she's a mint projection. And then what was your the other thing with the Lauren? I forgot what you asked about that, but. Uh, so do we buy that uh, something can? Oh, it's just unthinking people's minds. You know, just just oh. win. It's the auto win button. Hit it. The fact that like I don't think that just Laurent is strong enough to do that. Like it's something that right. the students can do in mass. Well, and the Tellum herself, I think, can just do. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Tellum is there in the flesh and blood. I don't understand. Right. And unless like there's lingering effects of the sonic disruption. That's that's. It- like I said, to... when I recap this scene, I think this is all real world. I think this is all actually happening, but it's impossible mm. to know with this set of characters and circumstance. Is there a penalty to unthinking someone's mind if you're wanting to take over their mind? It seems like you can reverse it, though. Yeah, she'll wake up eventually, uh, and when she does, she's chained to this ritual stone. Seems and... like it'd be the perfect thing to do. I wonder. Really of course, does. every once in a while, sometimes in third acts of things, you just got to kind of go with it. You got to You got to make a leap. You make a dramatic choice, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And in every yeah. single other way in this episode, they made the perfect dramatic choice. Just maybe not here for me. We'll we'll see. I'll, I'll maybe ask uh, Goyer about that when we talk to him here in a week or so. He's going to unthink your mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you get for asking questions. 
Uh-oh, our dynastic empire is experiencing some genetic drift. We'll be right back. The algorithm says this podcast will continue. Welcome back to Foundation. Is there anything else you want to talk? I mean, a lot of crazy shit happens in this. I mean, the mule can can somehow... I, I was wondering if Tellum was the mule, but the mule overpowers her in Gale's mind, and I, I don't know what's happening here now. I'm very confused. I think... it's So my idea is that she is... That's her biggest weakness, is that she legitimately fears her own death, and she's been able to... You know, she, she's got... Uh, you know, most people only have a normal human lifestyle time to hone that fear. She's had several, and the personification of the mule, she is so frightened by it, it gives Gale a momentary advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, I think that with given so several Gale's seconds... So the one accosting her mentally, not the mule. A lot of this stuff reminds me of Legion, and, like, Legion had a lot of different ways that they could portray a psychic battle, you know? Um, I, I yeah it, it, I don't necessarily need the stuff to physically be real happening but again I think here's my thing I, I guess this all has to be pretty much straight up because they didn't use any of the camera tricks that they've been using to show that there's psychic jackassery afoot yeah and some guess, scenes where there's definitely psychic jackassery afoot they do and so yeah. when they don't use it you have to assume they're not but I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it plays out in the finale so they approaches the vault unconcerned with the battle raging overhead he abandons his aura and his shirt to approve that he's not afraid of harry's wrath his armor uh harry appears and invites him inside for a chat and demerzel goes with i was trying to think of like does he not realize that chainmail is its own form of our ar- armor or is it so decorated at this point that he's because i was trying to think of like yeah I mean, are, is this a character not... tribute that he is like leaving one level of armor on and saying that like is it kind of like showing that he's a little bit of hedging his bets here he's still not fully committed he's just doesn't have the in it to go all in on something or am I projecting like Harry as a hologram here I don't know I don't know but I, I see I like, it as a thematic thing every single step he took towards this vault I'm like oh keep walking mm-hmm. keep walking you son of a bitch you're gonna be writhing on the ground and, and, and unconscious a second later and what's Dimmerzel gonna do and you can kind of tell Polly could you know when he's like what are all these like oh these were flags planted by children on a dare and mm-hmm. like reminding us of like what did this stuff and I kept on thinking he's going to walk into this fucking null field being a dumbass yeah so many ways that the show teased me that Harry is going to win <laughs> and yet he keeps removing all of those roadblocks to today's victory that we know he has that's the thing we know he can essentially unthink day's mind in this moment if he wants with that null field. when he's inside the vault there's nothing that he can't do to empire i assume yeah shows that this is like as unbelievable as it is this must be an act of strength that this is uh-huh. a sacrifice that harry can make and it's not even a fatal one uh-huh. um but like i yeah when when day walked into harry's office i was supremely confident that the foundation was going to win the foundation yep. was going to easily win and probably without firing a shot just like bell had talked about and I also like Harry's whole demeanor was saying that. 
I thought that was really funny that Demerzel's worried about the orbital battle that's already taking place and Emperor Empire's like, yeah, let that be- let Bell Rios earn his reputation as general. Like, yeah, fair mm-hmm. enough. He's supposed to be the you best. I'll him let him for a job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, and then uh Glaywin's also up there. He launches his fighters and the Whisper Fleet engages and he scores a kill to Bell's delight. Um, these are Imperial switchbacks, I guess, or the the name of these fighters, a type of fighter. They call them Pellis class. Or that was their call sign. That's their call is... sign, yeah. Pellis one is Glaywin. Yeah, I looked Pellis up two. Pellis, and that is Latin for an, an animal skin or pelt. And in a certain context, it can be referred to as a military tent because I guess those are covered, as you'd imagine, in animal skins. But mm-hmm. none of those really made sense in terms of a call sign. So, I mean, if they're defense it's expeditionary of the main ship. force, it's embarking. It's like got it, you know. So it's yeah. I don't know. Maybe um, my entomology search let me down. Th- there's an interesting detail in this scene about the whisper ships, uh, the whisper fleet. They apparently have two life forms on every ship: one, the pilot, and two some kind of organic navigation center, as Bell call or as Glaywin calls it. But I don't know that he can really know that necessarily. I mean, he probably assumes that based on what it's he saw of the whisper ship. And it seems consistent with Polly talking about starships with brains steering themselves mm-hmm. through the cosmos. Like it does seem like it's not an unfair depiction of the technology, but I doubt it's the end of it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of interesting implications from that. I hope it's not the end of it. Like, are they real human brains? Are they vat grown? Are they like, or is this like into the a start Dimmerzel of a dimmer? Or... Exactly. Is this like a model A d- yeah. dimmer zelf type brain, positronic type brain? I don't know. I don't know. How advanced is it? You know, have they have they given it the ability to feel, or is it just performing calculation functions for them, and it happens to be mm-hmm. organic? Uh, is it is it more like the spacers who have? needs and wants and desires um apparently i i don't know i don't know we'll see or maybe we won't they all seem to have been destroyed i'm sure they have more in the outer reach right Mm -hmm. can't be can't be all of their ships here on terminus no i i although like i said it i part of me wants to say that no this this they're the, the empire just got routed and that's the point it was designed to be destroyed it's the ablated like you know there's the this so what we understand to be the second foundation is going to be the first foundation there's a super secret double probation <laughs> foundation three <laughs> going on yeah i'm not ready to stake any claims there but i could i could see it sure why not uh, so Harry inside the vault reiterates his message that the fall is coming. Day doesn't agree, and they spar verbally for a while, even pulling Dimmerzel into the argument. Eventually, Day loses his patience and declares himself an outlier, to which Harry responds, no, you're not. And then he offers to show Dimmerzel the Prime Radiant. And that was super interesting to me. But there's a lot of super interesting stuff in this scene. Another fascinating one. We've talked about this. Like, why can't he just show and... You know, Demerzel's smart enough to figure it out and determine the truth of it. And here, the offer is made. She and, and wants. I, I think both it, of, right. Sorry, what? I, I read her as wanting that. 
to see the primary look at that yeah. cedar. Yeah, she wanted to look at that uh, crystal ball. I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, if 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 not just to see how wrong it is, <laughs> you know, if she doesn't believe in it, you'd still want to look at it and point poke the holes in it, right? And, and that's what I love about this scene in particular. Everything that Day is saying is true from our perspective. Everything Harry's saying is true from our perspective. If, if you are Harry and your life's work, the thing you died for is in jeopardy, of course you wouldn't give that up. That's, that's it. That's everything to you. And Day as Empire, that's everything to him. Yeah. And it, he's making these points that I, I think are, are astute and, and difficult to assail. I won't say unassailable, but like... It's extremely when, well-written scene and how like rapid fire and back and forth and it felt like a physical confrontation as much as a verbal one yeah yeah it there's has, no has a rhythm physical violence but i well, mean I, ideally i, I wouldn't uh, want to be a loose piece of paper on dr selden's desk let me put it that way <laughs> sure sure <laughs> but ideal ideologically i think it's interesting because day is saying must you provoke me to reach the mathematical conclusions that you predict Yes, and, and Harry's response is to say, "Well, if it wasn't me, it'd be somebody else." Uh -huh. But that argument does not stand in the face of you being the one actually doing it. Right? You can say that it would be somebody else, and maybe that were true, but it's you actually doing it. So if you it doesn't stop hold up doing in court, it, for sure. Yeah, you can't just say it's why we don't let people get away with saying I was just following orders when committing war yeah. crimes, right? Like, yeah. Well, if, if it wasn't like me, it'd be somebody else. No, yeah, you did it. You did it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so Day's not wrong here. It, it, may, maybe he does not have the full scope of the situation in his head like Harry does. And so he doesn't realize how true that statement is that if it wasn't him, it would definitely be somebody else. But that's not an easy argument to to make in the face of it. I also like that Harry outright denied uh, that he was responsible for the attack on the Emperor, which leaves quite a few suspects like do you where would you put the money on who called the assassin Sarath, dusk dawn or dimmerzel i think those are the only people it can be at this point i i would say it's almost certainly dimmerzel and a lot of the looks in this scene make me feel more strongly about that when he brings up the so topic too. dimmerzel looks almost nervous um but how how can she take direct action against these people? Well, maybe this is some indirect action that's been taken as a result of some of her other choices. And we also know that at the beginning of this episode, beginning of the season, rather, that this particular day was more genetically drifted than like almost any other one before him. So interesting. Yeah, she, interesting. she does work pretty hard to save his uh, life it's, after the fact, but because right around here in the conversation, Harry stops. Talking today and turns all of his attention to his arguments to Dimmerzel, and I thought that was interesting because mm -hmm. she tries to get him in some logic. She's like, "I thought you were the guy that said he's trying to uh, minimize harm, and now look, you're here provoking war." And he said, "Well, you know, the scope and scale and duration of things is completely different. I thought you of all people would know better than that." Yeah, which strongly implies that Harry knows she's a robot, almost certainly. Yeah. I'd, and I there were a couple other things in this that, episode, but, too. Yeah, But this is almost a dead giveaway. Mm -hmm. And and if not, I think he's certainly smart. 
here's the thing if Demerzel did try to assassinate Day I think Harry from what I've seen in the past is smart enough to deduce that based on a look and some of the things she's saying in this scene mm. like that look when he mentions assassinations uh when, when when Harry is asked, did you send the assassins? And Demerzel just gives us look. If Harry notices that look, I think he's smart enough to put it together. Hmm. Based on what he did with Salvor last episode. Any love uh, for the day or dusk being? Like, I don't think day, uh, day, but maybe dusk? You think it's Demerzel, though. I think it's Demerzel, yeah, too. I'm almost, I'm almost certain. Um, it would come as a big shock at this point if it wasn't Demerzel. I don't even think they have to necessarily come out and say how or why she's able to do that because I think they've given us enough plausible reasons that they could punt that as a interesting question for next year. Because mm-hmm. like they've already given me, I think, three plausible reasons why Dimmerzel could kill. You know, he's not matching the genetic dynasty. He is trying like it, this is all in the context of brokering a marriage deal in the first place. Which is, you know, he's, it's like that. She's loyal. Yeah, she's loyal to her own empire, which is something he's trying to destroy. Exactly. And then, yeah. So, like, I, I think there's already a number of different ways that she they could have explained why she could do the things she does. But mm-hmm. we'll see which one they pick. Yeah, we'll see. Invent um, a better one. The future's invented every second. Invent a better one. <laughs> yeah. So the battle rages in orbit. Uh, Empire's fighters open a path to Invictus and attack it. Glaywin scores a direct hit on their engines, which destroys or disables the entire ship. Um, but he is hit with shrapnel and spirals down to the planet as Bell watches. Uh, boy, that's a that's a Death Star esque bit of targeting, huh? Yeah, I. That's the other thing that, like, as minorly bugged me about this is that. I didn't feel like I knew enough about the technology to understand. It's like, imagine if you were watching a Death Star run, but they had not explained the exhaust port or the uh, the concept of a photon torpedo. Right. It's like, oh, he shot sci-fi shit at this other sci-fi shit, and it went exploding. But I don't know. I guess you can roll that way. If you, but you just that's kind of how foundations, they just do shit, and then they don't explain it. Like, they hit mm-hmm. him with a fire beam that is an anti-tractor beam at the end of this episode i'm like what the hell i i I was like what the hell's going on here but i'm like what i mean it's indistinguishable from magic what right i think players really have fun with that phrase how do they yeah all all that stuff Um, yeah i'm willing to roll with it i I do wonder look if they want to come out they want to come out the lavishly illustrated 128 page technical guide manual for this series i'll buy it uh-huh. I don't don't put a gun to my head. I'll buy it, but until then, it's it's magic, for sure. Uh, I do wonder how a single shot disables but doesn't destroy a ship like this. Because with the Death Star, you know, its chain reaction destroys the entire thing. With this, mm. it just disables it enough that it can't fight back. But the visualization of it is very fiery. Um, and but I'm then there's still enough the- of it left to throw down at the planet and blow that thing to hell. The mood on the Invictus is weird. I, it's not. It's not okay. a doomed ship of young people about to die. I just, it just doesn't it's feel like expecting something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go back to the vault real quick. Harry offers Day the Prime Radiant and uh, offers to teach Dimmerzel to read it. Day refuses that offer. 
Demerzel is not asked what she thinks. He gets word of the destruction of Invictus and offers Harry a proposal of his own. Admit that your math is flawed and I will spare Terminus. Harry makes a plea to Demerzel to invent a better future and refuses Day's offer. So Day orders Bell to bring the Invictus down on Terminus, killing every civilian on the planet. And he leaves the vault with the Prime Radiant. I thought it was interesting um, when, you know, Harry said, I just can't give you what you want because the problem is this stuff is real and it's happening. The Empire, like, had tears in his eyes. Like, that this was, like, I get the opinion that this day especially thought he was trying to do the things that Harry wanted him to do. He says as much. It's like, mm-hmm. you said we were stagnant. You said we're this, we're that. I have, like, done everything that you said and it's i'm i'm still i am and that that line where he's like you know i am the outlier and he's like look i've seen outliers kid and you (laughs) ain't it (laughs) that's 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 what really got him into his fury to like being like reminded once again by a great man Mm -hmm. uh that you're unremarkable you're not even a real person your your own progenitors called you shadow men and half men like Mm -hmm. damn and you're uh, insignificant to history. Yeah. Even in your position, you are insignificant in history. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, th- and that's exactly what this guy did not want to be. You look at what he said, Dusk said about him, right? Like, oh, Dusk was fine not being anything, letting Dimmerzel mm-hmm. rule, but this one came up wanting to prove himself. Right. I want to fix things. No matter how much he changes, no matter how crazy he goes, right? He's doing the craziest thing he can think of to kill the Cleonic dynasty, and it's still not enough to make a mark on history. It's not even an outlier. In his mind, completely flipping the script is Uh like, "Ah, okay, well, you change the comet to a period. Right. (laughs) In the mind of a man who has an extremely good grasp on history. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's feeling extremely inferior or mediocre I guess mm-hmm. uh, he should absolutely destroy this prime radiant right he should smash it with a hammer he should get outside of here uh, he should say bring me the empire's biggest hammer and mash it because Dimmerzel is going to get her hands on this but he can't. and maybe she gains some faith he's hobbled by his own pride the thing that Harry was afraid would doom him is, is because you're right he should but then he would look mm-hmm. afraid and his whole charade about removing his armor and his and what's, that's the thing it's like okay this guy's removing his arm or his if you ki- if like like I thought it was funny how Harry uh, brought that up short um, oh that's the thing that really set Day off is when you know Dimmerzel's like well you must have something to bargain with or else you would have killed us by now and Harry's like why would I bother you just uncork another one which is a hilarious mm-hmm. way to say decant is to uncork one yeah, of yeah. these guys <laughs> and that is what sets day off because he just re- he just revealed the charade that like you're not yeah. afraid because you know if i kill you right now you'll wake up on trantor and you won't even know that you were there's defeated. no stakes for you why would yeah. you be afraid right yeah yeah and you can't it's like by design you are in like you're thinking you're outside the box you are constructed in a box that makes you think that you're outside it's like he, he like he's he's exactly what the first Cleon worried he'd be only more so he's deluded into thinking he has freedom and Harry here is the one that has stakes Harry Harry is the one who has something to lose in this scenario because they can't the thing that he him, built although he, it, it, yeah it's the thing that he built it's not you're going with the permanence of it but like yes there's mm-hmm. something at risk here for Harry whereas the Empire it's like if it falls or lives like 
this fucking Cleon had nothing to do with it. He didn't yeah. set it up, and he's probably not going to be the one that defends it or protects it or destroys it. He doesn't have that power. He's just a guy. Yeah, I thought it was interesting to propose this particular deal uh, that Day proposes. Admit your math is wrong. Yeah. Because Harry has been working this season to set himself up as a god in the minds of his followers. And a god cannot remain a god if they admit they're wrong, I think. Um, well, also, Harry's the, the other thing I thought was deliciously ironic about that is that the foundation's whole premise is set up on telling a little tiny lie in service of saving the bulk of humanity. And that's what Day, like, mm-hmm. I don't think Day's asking Harry to stop believing in psycho history. He's no. like, I want you to publicly recant it. Yes. And it seems like it'd be very easy for Harry to be like, okay, well, that's just another little white lie. I'll recant psycho history, but, you know, we'll keep the great spirit or whatever. Like, well, then he's not the martyr that he becomes at the end of this episode. The martyr well, God, I mean, honestly. He martyrs, like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I understand. I'm just saying that, like, it's it's interesting yeah. that, like, that's all Day's asking is to tell another white lie to people. Sure, sure. You know. Um, it seems like a very small ask, but neither of these men are seeing it from the other perspective, right? But it also wouldn't stop there. It's like, it'd also be like, and sure. you have to stop, believe, you have to disband the Church of Scientism, and you have to turn all over your technology and science. And it mm-hmm. just, yeah, it'd be a Darth Vader, Bespin situation. The deal just sure. gets worse all along. Yep. And then Harry ends up in Carbonite, and we've, yep. you know, it's a whole thing. Yep. Uh, uh, let's go over to Salvor managing to trap Lauren in the airlock and she kills him by venting the oxygen while he pleads with her as Hugo then she sees Talib on top of Gale and goes to help then a very corporeal Harry shows up and beats Talib to death with a stick if we were watching this in a movie theater that would be a cheer moment oh yeah congratulations you guys have made me hate Rachel House she's I, I mean, this is this is blowing she's a monster. up Jaws at the end. Yeah, of that. Yeah. I mean, this is the moment you've been waiting for. This is, yeah. you know, uh, uh, killing Jason. Can he ever be killed? I don't know. Jason Voorhees. Tell yeah. him Voorhees. Uh, this, the way he does, he just beats her, just like blood splashing on his face like he's a Bloodborne character or whatever. And then he's like just panting. He's like... I never liked her. <laughs> it's just like it's the understatement of <laughs> the history. Right. And, and like and, I and said, it's, it's irrefutable that she is dead. If that is in fact her physical body, they show the head just. Oh, it's right. Yeah, if like, if I, I, yeah. Yeah. And my, my mind is like, yeah. Why would she generate that image of herself being defeated? You know, like if you want to quibble, oh, you should sure, be like, yeah. how did she sneak up? How did he sneak up on it? But like, is that because his mind's murky is because it's mechanical? Is it, there's lots of fun. She's um, distracted by Gail and Salvor, yeah. But the one thing, a piece of feedback came in in between. Uh, obviously, it's not about this, but it's it. it uh, I thought it was interesting because my first thought is, and we talked about this off of, uh, uh, you know, when we were running errands today. Um, what what happened to the Gail feeling Harry's drown? Like we talked about how that was cool, how that all lined up in retrospect. Craig T wrote in and said, I have a observation that might be irrelevant after the next episode, but the wording Gail uses to tell him about feeling water in Harry's lungs. She said she didn't feel him die. She has felt his lungs fill up with water. Well, and there said, you go. Hmm. If Harry is a half human, half robot hybrid that doesn't have to breathe, courtesy of 
the mathematician robot. So he could he good. could have the sensation. And it's like, you know, the other thing is like, it reminds me of Demerzel saying that like, well, he this person expected tears, so I'm going to give him tears, even though I wouldn't cry because of what he's doing to my body. Hmm. You could apply that here. It's like, well, tell him's expecting me to drown, so I'll drown and, and go into like low power mode and then... I'm not sure that Harry is aware that he's a robot hybrid. <laughs> and look, this is headcanon. They haven't told us yet. That it was possible. Hybrid, it's right? entirely possible. He but seems this, confused. It's my assumption. Yeah. If um, we take him at his word, he seems confused. And he's about, breathing heavy in this scene, but you know, sometimes some stuff is just force of habit. You know. Yeah, affectation of being a, a, a passable human. I don't know, man. Uh, it definitely seems to me like some shenanigans were played bringing him back to life he is not fully human and i that's fine yeah, like yeah totally like they're only going to be in trouble it makes if a he's lot not... of sense um, yeah 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 if if this you know mathematician appearing entity is a robot herself and it seems like she might be based on the mining droids and how they responded to her all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. i i think there's a very good possibility that's true yeah i agree uh, okay, let's go over to Hober. He sees Day walking by his cell and starts taunting him <laughs> to the disbelief of Constance. She's like, what are you doing? He, he picked a really bad time to do it, too. Yeah. Uh, so Day has him take it to the bridge. Demerzel pauses in the hall and says, ah, I gotta go home. Day's confused by that. She apologizes for having failed to mold him into the leader he needed to be. And then she leaves him with one massive final burn. <laughs> before leaving for Trantor. These the, the last five minutes were like the roast of day, man. Dude, I, it's a huge bird. You are a sperm mistaking its random motion for complexity. It's it's go, so and good. Then, and then with disgust, go do what you'll do because it's too late to change you. Uh-huh. She just says, I apologize for the mess that you are. Um yeah and him like again like it's just like he's rejected by his mother and I guess a surrogate father here and, in one, and I love one how he's laying like, out it, all of the triumphs of of his own free will and his own yeah, uh, yeah grandiosity right and he's I'm a complete man and then yeah. she just burns him to the ground <laughs> and the fact that he's it's just so it's just so sad because like he's trying he thinks he's making these momentous decisions and he's saying that like it's not like ah oh, son you made a mistake you fell short just like you are insufficient mm-hmm. he's heard it from harry now he's hearing it from dimmerzel his most trusted yeah confidant. you're not mediocre you're not great you're not you're insufficient mm, where have i heard that term before why it's it's <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it, it, and it just it yeah like i said he's got uh Taking a lot of take a lot of negative energy into these scenes. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely worried for Hober and Constant because, like I said, they're stirring up shit at the exact wrong time. This is a man who is Calls a him yesterday. Was that? Did you hear? They, it's one of the things he taunts him with. Is like, hey, oh, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he and he just got you know ultra burned from his robot mommy. It's for the first time you know it's mm-hmm. gonna be a bad scene for them i think after the conclusion of this episode but we'll see uh speaking of the conclusion of this episode final scene here 
Uh, Glaywin survived the fall to the planet, calls up to the ship, says, I'm here, come get me. They orders Bell to drop the Invictus on the planet at the same time. Uh, and then there's this heartfelt plea from Glaywin to Bell to, to do it for the good of the galaxy. He needs to stay in his position. So Bell does it. He follows the order. The Invictus falls. It shatters the planet into pieces. Uh, this is the most definitive destruction of characters I've seen in really anything. Assuming this is real. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's no the thing. Trick. It's like, if I, because I remember, you know, we had a similar situation with the, the Rings of Power where I think they definitively told us characters were going to die and then they just were kind of dusty the next episode. They can't do that. They can't do that with mm-hmm. this one. Um, and again, like I, 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 I'm just going. To, I, I think there might be some trickery at foot. Um, and I'll just say, it's like, yeah, you can do anything in storytelling as long as you do it well. But I kind of hope that it's the audacious thing that I think it is, which is just a complete wipe of the first foundation. Mm-hmm. And then come back a thousand years later, right, and show us. Yeah, this is their Empire Strikes Back moment. The well, I mean, like Harry is trying to shorten the period. He knows there will be suffering. He's trying to mm-hmm. shorten that suffering, right? Well, and, Day's actions are prolonging it. And the foundation served its purpose, but now it's going a little too far into the religious thing. Like, if this keeps going, you've got another god emperor. You got another, and like Harry, like Harry's, they, they are worshiping him. There is something to say to just resetting that too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're martyring it, but you're also just doing away with the Church of Scientism to replace it to evolve it to rebuke it i i think evolve it um if i'm looking at some of the things they've been doing in the last couple episodes uh there was that note that thing that i noted last episode where the dude who was like the the most against constant and polly and tried to have her killed when they came to savannah um he's kind of looking at these books burning it thoughtfully mm. as he's doing it and now that harry has been martyred uh, at the end of this potentially um, and has been established as a god in this religion the the message is already out there well then these outer wild places are depending on foundation after yeah. the, 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 the withdrawal of the empire abandoned them yeah mm-hmm. uh, I could see this this sparking a lot more faith out in the outer reaches because it's exactly. only one planet yes this is not yes. the entirety of the outer reaches or outer yes. reach and this might even be like I we don't we don't know they they've carefully not told us the disposition of the foundation. This could be like no longer important. The foundation could be distributed sure all throughout the outer rim, just the way that this Demerzel's intelligence is distributed to wherever it's distributed to. Yeah, and you come back a thousand years later, right? And the new foundation has sprung up. It's more powerful than ever. It it we see that it's now uh, fervently followed as a religion. And the Empire has just strengthened it, right? It's prolonged the suffering overall, but it's strengthened foundation and just brought about the outcome that Harry predicted anyway. While we're talking about it, I thought we got a strong hint that Demerzel's distributed intelligence is at least extraplanetary. Did we? Like, it's, it's not that she can switch bodies on this planet, that she could switch bodies off planet too. Because if 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 if, because like what would get if she could switch bodies but she's still on the same planet like what would that even get her what body would she switch to is there some kind of repository somewhere Uh, is there some kind of ancient robot network that still operates I'm 
I don't know. The way he said it didn't know. seem like it's something she could just switch to. You know, it's something that he she could just escape and be gone. Which God, how do they ever capture capture in her first place? Right. I don't know. Uh, I, I think that stuff is all you know fan canon at this point, but uh, I'm sure we'll get more information about that. Yeah. I don't know, man. This whole episode kind of ex- it, it really exceeded my expectations and subverted them. I expected a more like Dimmerzel <laughs> focused episode. You know, I expected us to go back yeah. thousands of years, see Dimmerzel's creation, see the robot wars, things like that. I'm not unhappy with what we got at all. It I'm actually more it's audacious oddly in some more. ways than I expected. Yeah, like they, they filled in a lot more blanks than I thought. I thought it'd be a lot more um, woozy, hazy, like Dimmerzel mm-hmm. uh, uh, lore that didn't really meet. But yeah, it went to the heart of all the questions that uh, that we've had, really. Yeah, I find still myself leaving a I'm, lot of room. I'm having this perverse incentive. Where I realize the longer I talk about this episode, it's directly keeping me from watching the next one. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, what's done, man? We're we've talked about the whole thing there, except for the the final emotional spark of this scene between Bell and Glaywin. Let me ask you this: it's a, it's a beautiful scene. These actors are crushing it. Oh, so good. There are two heartbreaking scenes in television between two gay men this year. Oh, my God. The last of us going all the way back to the last of us. Okay. Early early this year. Which one is better? I'm going to put that up there. Which one is better? (sighs) Because, oh, they're so they're both so good. Well, you know what? The thing is, is like, um, they took a whole episode to weave this story, whereas we've been, you know, relying again. Now the other thing is, like, I think, and this is a brilliant move by the production team, but they control C, control V, their relationship from uh, a long running stage play that these guys had worked up their chemistry and the, you know, their 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 emoted love for each other. So it's like that's a huge benefit. Yeah. Um, you, you the other thing it. is, it's these guys are conventional men like human like recognized with human people whereas like Nick Offerman's character was so emotionally constipated mm-hmm. that it kind of like I don't know that the, the, the arc felt the, I, I'm gonna give it the last of us is what I'm saying <laughs> I I agree but it's not too far off no it's not too far no off. and and it wasn't even a conversation until the last few minutes of this episode because they right, just right. ever since every from the moment he says hey Glay when ah uh, it uh yeah, it tears your chest. It tears it, it's your really about the focus of that Last of Us episode. That's what pushes it over the top for me. I was able took- to build that feeling over the span of an hour. Here I'm building it over the course of five minutes. Uh, yeah. And I'm having to recall. I'm having to bring that history back in. When I'm watching it all as one you know, tale, it is more effective. But, man, they did the best with what they had here. And it's really good like i said really the fact that the conversation should be something they pat themselves on the back over in foundation land yeah yeah for sure that's it man and um, they brought cool. it back you know they brought us back to the book uh mm-hmm. about being conquered through, through love um i just yeah i just keep like the empire is just a fucking man- maniac uh but like i said i don't i don't know that the the empire sees people as real you know like I don't mm-hmm. know if he sees himself as real. Yeah, that's the, the exponents have like just fucked everything up, and now like this is a super dangerous situation. I don't think Bell realizes it, and yeah, it's, it's open question myopic. about 
whether Bell fulfilled the mission of Dimmerzel here. Um, mm-hmm. How he's going to react in the future is just going to strengthen his conviction to remain, I guess, loyal to his oath to Empire for the good of oh, humanity I mean, across the galaxy, or is this going to crush his for, him emotionally and cause him to abandon it? In for a penny, in for a pound, right? I suppose so. It's a pretty big step in the the direction. Uh, I thought the final death, uh, the death montage was pretty good too. You know, you had the dir- director died. Like it's like the most important thing in the world. The director's dying, but now the whole planet's going to die. The Invictus is in the sky, <laughs> and like the whole time, like I'm telling you, up until the shockwave hit Polly, and the, I thought that there's like as soon as it hit gets to the 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 vault, it's just going to hit the shield and like. You know. It was it was literally like I, I'm thinking, okay, they got these personal auras. Maybe they have a bigger personal aura around the town, the civilization there. Maybe they can do that. Yep. And, and then I see the shot from space of the planet shattered into multiple fragments. I'm like, no, that's that's done. You're, it's it's gone. It's all gone, with the exception of maybe the vault. I think the vault can survive, but that's it. The vault could probably survive i suppose um like i said i would be i almost i uh, maybe then we could be surprised again um the degree of difficulty of doing a uh schmuck bait of this magnitude is uh-huh. just off the charts like yep. you, you might you might break your ankle and have to stick it on that broken ankle like was it yeah, carry Str- Str- style uh-huh. yeah uh but I, it can be done but it would take a heroic superhuman effort like that so i'm i but i think yeah they're just this we're seeing what it looks like on the tin this is the destruction of the first foundation and everyone is devastated they, they should make a point of like no one is happy about this not even dimmerzel except for the fucking emperor who's just face bathed in the destruction and just yeah, like a little boy watching a magic trick. Yeah, he's just, just. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah, well, I feel like we lost how good Lee Pace is in this episode with all the other discussion about how good everybody else is, but damn. Damn. This is a ridiculous role, and the way he vamps through some of it is. Uh huh. It's necessary. It, it, it defines the character, his yeah. performance here. And it's definitely different from the last generation of Cleons. Like these are recognizably less serious, less substantial men. Mm-hmm. Um, the shadows are getting longer. <laughs> the half men are now quarter. I don't know. The one other thing that survives this is the legend of Harry Seldon and and perhaps scientism itself. And I I, I am looking for the ways that that comes back after this. So you get you might have Vault with Harry in it out there. You might have the the message that he was sending. Yeah, I mean, we'll if this see. is the Empire Strikes Back, we're gonna have to have the return of the hair eye, correct? Like that's just the next <laughs> thing that comes yeah. after that. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> tortured pun. All right, well that's it, man. You can send in feedback to the podcast by sending an email to foundationofbaldmove.com. You're listening to Foundation and Podcast. We'll be right back. And we're back. Respect and enjoy the podcast. 
All right, Jim, we got the first uh, email here. Ginny from Delaware has got some thoughts about Hober's offer to the Spacers. She says, I don't think the show did a good enough job, but possibly intentionally, of having Hober offer the Spacers a chance to be self-sufficient in their own manufacturing of the micronutrient. To me, it seems as though Hober is just offering a change in dependency from empire to foundation. I completely mm-hmm. understand she who is Center's decision, the better the devil you know. I think this is compounded by Hober using the fear tactic of pointing out that they could soon be obsolete. I feel like the better offer would be just to gift the Spacers the instruction manual in creating this nutrient and ask nothing in return. Does it really matter if the Spacers join forces with the Foundation? Am I crazy or did I think that's the offer that he was making? Like, I understood when he tossed the vial that he's giving them... Because how could they explore extra galaxies if they had to keep coming back to Foundation for resupply? I thought that he was offering them freedom. He did not make that explicit. And I'm very much with uh, Jenny here. I think that irked me a little bit too because they don't need spacers, right? They have technology. That's what I'm saying. Like, why would they keep them under Just free them. Gain their loyalty through their freedom, you know? Um, And and take away your enemy's most valuable weapon, honestly. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm with you. I think I thought that was a little strange, but maybe it was implied that that is what they were offering. I, I that's certainly what I got. I had no idea that we had two different views on that. Because um, in this guy, if, if you if you, of course, I guess that's. I mean, the how thing is it that the spacers is just can't no duplicate? Tide. Oh, they just provide. But like, I, I was like, how, why can't the spacers but duplicate they, the drug now? Like in this universe, to hold something right. must be able to co- analyze and copy it. You would think so. Is it something that so. they actually have to come in and get administered as like... Even then, I think you'd be able to isolate the compound from your bodies with the technology that they got. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Uh, my understanding no, I, is that was their offer. You guys apparently... So there was some gray area whether... I wonder if they're suggesting that Hober's just not as good of a negotiator. Like if, if Harry were there, he'd have made that point more explicit or if it was just a... Maybe so, yeah. He's just kind of not great at it. Because I, I think you're right. Like now that I'm really like diving into it, the way he describes them going and, you know, sailing the ocean of the cosmos or whatever, that does not sound like... Uh, a species that is still tied to some source of nutrients from this galaxy. Right. Yeah. They'd always have a reason to have to come back. Right. So maybe he is offering that. It's just, it wasn't, it was a little clunky in the dialogue. Um, Alvin says, I really like the character of Sarath. She's super smart, would make a great queen if she actually wanted to be one. But I don't like her because the way she manipulates Dawn. I'm sick of it. <laughs> that kid just wants to be loved and he keeps getting played. Do you think that maybe the third or so day was so weak that Dimmerzel had to change how she raised the Dawns? She obviously cares about them, but he craves connection so much. I think it's, uh, I have to think it must be his cold upbringing. Am I wrong for rooting what will eventually be an outright bastard to not get hurt again? Uh, there's a time I rooted for Anakin Skywalker too, so maybe it's just me. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you're wrong about it. Uh, like well, Dimmerzel is the innocent one, right? I mean, he's not had the opportunity to rule and be anything more than what he is—a clone of an oppressive dynasty, uh, an oppressive ruler, right? 
it's Whereas hard to describe them as culpable. innocent for all the reasons that were so well covered by the rebel f- plot from last season but mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. there he is schrodinger's bastard right because you right. can always see right. him as the innocent kid the innocent baby but he's also the bitter man getting shoved into a particle disintegrator by Demerzel at the end. Like he always ends uh-huh, up the same uh-huh. way. Like baby Hitler is probably cute too, but look what he did. You know. But now season two has revealed that to be somewhat of a farce. I mean, that's not that's How not so? actually true. These are different people, right? I mean, day. I don't know. They may be recontextualizing it again in this episode and saying that you're always the man who fails everyone around him. Um, but but day has a very different demeanor in this iteration and in, in the 17th than he did in the first or the sixth or whatever. But we so, saw, wait, you know? so here's a question I got for you. Cause I've been wondering that myself, are these people really different or is the empire different? Like the empire, that Cleon, the first super sat over was mm-hmm. way more peaceful, cohesive and grander, more powerful than. So like if you had Cleon one third, right? going through these, political and uh, diplomatic conditions would he behave the same way if he was raised know, because by you look at this, a bitter how, robot how much does an empire this large and this uh ingrained change in 30 years because you look at the way that dusk lived his life the the what the clear on the 18th or, yeah. or sorry the 16th lived his yeah. life yeah. and so you compare that to clear on the 17th and it's entirely different uh, and they're roughly in the same empire. I mean, it doesn't change that much in 30 years. Yeah. And to Alvin's point, this particular episode that he hadn't seen yet, uh, Demerzel essentially apologized for doing a shitty job that like why I was running around taking care of the other day's messes. You were kind of raised by wolves to, to drop another. <laughs> uh, so, uh-huh. yeah, I, I can I, I think that's not that's not wrong. Um, I mean, it all just kind of goes back to the idea like is is Don culpable yet for the atrocities and the oppression of, of this government? I don't it's know hard. if I would say he is, even if he's the same man genetically, I, you can't put that on him yet. It's hard to see. Cause I feel like we're trying to try this in a 21st century court of law, but like, you know, I don't know that a 21st century court of law would, would stand up the cloning and memory transfers. Sure. And you uh-huh. know, it's like you, you need, you need other language to describe things and other than capability culpability and you need things like fate and destiny and systems because that's what I think Harry's Harry has no personal ill will towards any of the Cleons it's the system mm-hmm. you know it's it's uh it's just, it's just, it's designed not to be stable it's too much power yeah uh, James D says, I believe the Polly and Constance mission to Trantor was a complete success if Dr. Selden's goals were to prod the Empire to attack and disillusion the followers of the church. If he really wanted to make peace, he would have made sure Polly and Constant met with the Empire before Hobo Hobo <laughs> <laughs> Hober met with the Spacers. Instead, he gave Hober mm-hmm. the jump ship guaranteeing that he got there first. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He says to go there just to keep it secret, but he sends Hober in the with the fast stuff, knowing that that would surely get back to Empire. That's interesting. I never considered that as evidence because I, I, I think there's many ways that the episode told us that was the case. But uh, and like I said, it's a win-win either way, right? Like, uh, right, the space would take the agreement while the fleet is neutered, right? Yeah. 
he says also for the second purpose, the Dr. Selden has treated Constant Polly, Director Cermak, and the Warden, along with his comments such as people like to kneel, and some societies never make it out of the religious phase, leads me to believe that he's trying to ensure his followers do not see him as a god and move the Foundation out of his religious phase. Somewhat violently in this episode, it would turn out. That's where I That's was the like, thing. I'm looking at all these predictions or these these assessments of the situation and Harry's goals. And I'm like, in the face of this, I think he might have failed if those were his goals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Provoke them to attack. But on this scale mm-hmm. with this much fallout, I don't know, man. Uh, I also do not believe that Harry and Salvo were killed on Ignis and they're being surprised by an illusion by Tellum. Well, you're partially right. We'll have to see yeah, if that's going yeah. on. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, he also says, finally, here's a way out theory that might be a candidate for David Goyer's uh, stupidest thing heard on a podcast. Several times this season has <laughs> been brought up the Empire is sterile and the mule is so named because he is sterile. Is there any connection? <laughs> well, we've seen the, we, we've heard of uh, how he it, would like to seriously degrade day by the end of this. Is the mule the bastard offspring between uh, Sarath and Dawn? Oh, yeah. There we go. I could see that. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's nothing in a lot their of family theories. tree that makes me think they, that he would be cited. But I think the, sure. the leading the leading mule theories right now are the mule is Telembon, although that's harder Looking to see likely. now with her, although, mm-hmm. unless there's the frag, like if... if you know what? All they have to do is have Rachel House like just being out of frame through some some of Gail's POV to suggest that there's a fragment of her left. Oh, sure. In She's turned into like yeah. a horcrux. Yeah, I can see that. Um. So at least so it's it's, it's Tellum. It is the child a, a a a potential child between Hober and Constant because of the blue eyes. Mm-hmm. And Josiah, then, freaking Josiah. It's also part of it's an offshoot of the uh, of the Cleon dynasty. Sure, I think I'm favoring a middle possibility right now, but uh, the others have some stuff going for them too. JD in Tampa says at the end of episode four, I think it was the show gave us a hint that my wife and I thought were supposed to mean that Tellum was the mule. If you go back and listen to the end of the episode when she's talking to Laren, her voice goes in and out of this sort of filter, and it sounds very similar to the mule and Gale's flashbacks. I thought they were wrong because you guys and people like Pete Peppers haven't said anything about it, but now we're definitely back to thinking it was her. Could this be a hint? Um, so I went back and listened to this, and I thought they were suggesting that she was speaking. This is um, similar to the technique that they used in Lord of the Rings, uh, the two towers when Gandalf was coming back and he was speaking and they were mixing a little bit of Christopher Lee in that, but they're also mixing a little Mm. bit of, um, you know, like all the characters to kind of like give this like uh, majestic and also mysterious quality. I don't think they're suggesting that he, that, that, um, you know, Gandalf literally is Saruman or anything like that, or though maybe they are some aspects. I thought that was this that she was speaking from many voices, and it was like, uh, mm-hmm. what do they call that word when you're foreshadowing? Yeah, we're foreshadowing the fact that she has had the stream of bodies that she's inhabited with the consciousness. Mm, that could you know, you sense. could hear the little girl, you could hear the full grown, you could hear some. I, I thought that's what they were trying to suggest because I didn't really hear. A similarity to the mule unless it yeah mm. I, I, did, I didn't really hear it 
Okay. Uh, but if it turns out to be true, be sure to write back uh, a smug email for the internet points <laughs> to redeem for internet points. David says, I know the subtitles don't support it, but could Tellum's name be spelt the mu- the the mule and slowly shift from the mule in a Voldemort t- like Tom Riddle type of vibe? Do you know this about Lord or uh, Harry Potter? No. <laughs> There's this character Tom Riddle, uh, Tom Mar- Malvo Riddle, that a uh, second that's a second okay a second yeah a second a second book uh, late reveal is that we should have known he was Lord, Lord Voldemort all the time because you can rearrange that name to spell I am Lord Voldemort. Jesus, okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> So if tell them if you if you if you could spell tell them with the T L L E U M, what's her middle name? <laughs> Hugh. <laughs> Just so we can get the T H into the mule. Oh, okay. But he's saying, you know, he's saying uh, uh, you can kind of squint and get there, and he he throws in Hodor. To show that you know you can get the you know the hold the door can can go to a Hodor pretty easily. Do, do, what do you think about this etymology? Uh, that doesn't feel like the way Foundation likes to tell their story. I, I don't see those kind of tricks being used. I see many tricks, but not that one. Sage response, so diplomatic surprise response. Me. Good, good, well done. Uh, Black Girl Couch writes in to say just wanted to throw up a quick prediction Goyer stated the foundation is loosely based on the fall of the Roman Empire but as you know the Roman Empire didn't completely fall only the West half did while the Byzantine Empire flourished under new emperors the Queen Sarath planning a bloodless coup is it possible she could plan to take Dawn's child or even Dawn himself chose to go back to Cloud Dominion now with a legitimate heir to the throne and the next season the focus moves to Cloud Dominion versus Empire Sarath has not only knowledge, but the physical evidence of Demerzel's nature, and I can't help but think it'll ruin Trantor's dominance, particularly on the heels of any defeat. Didn't uh, consider the possibility that she would reveal this information intentionally. I think that this is something we've actually speculated on last season, that there would be, yeah, that, that you, and I, I think I joked about Lee Pace having a hunchback and like, you know, three eyes in, in this, you know, theoretical mm-hmm. eastern half of the Empire, but... Um, you know the east the east half of the empire had an important part of like keeping some of the um, you know like knowledge going um, through you know as like the the other half of the empire kind of fell and a lot of their like writings and teachings were lost like that I could see that kind of playing in the Harrys that like this could shorten that you have some kind of shard of something that was like maybe the better parts of the empire that can rekindle. Because you got you gotta have, have some kind of central mm-hmm. government. Maybe it shouldn't be an empire. Yeah, right. It, it's well. It does Harry believe that? Because Bell believes know. that. Bell through Glaywin believes yes, the destruction would be the, the the pain caused by not having leadership throughout the galaxy would cause more pain. Harry yeah. might be okay with that. Harry just wants to shorten the duration, not the intensity of pain. True. True. So I don't know that he's that concerned with <laughs> with how much pain people experience. Rip the bandaid off. I do like the idea that that it, um, this is going to shift more to a cloud dominion. Uh huh. That could be interesting. You could still have Lee Pace 
playing a descendant because like you know the mm-hmm. genetic likeness is still there like i mean uh, you've seen like great grandparents look just like their grand you know their great grandchildren oh yeah um it happens like it could be a way that they keep that going even though it's technically not the same dynasty wouldn't it be super interesting you know don goes off and does his thing with the now declared i don't know empress uh they They try to keep the and then they're both the same age when like it's day versus day on the different sides of this battle later it's i don't know they could do a lot of things with that yeah yeah no i I like i like the idea of that because like i mean i think even goyer we talked about him you know realizing that you can't like just load people up into time capsules every episode you have to figure out another way to get that continuity of antagonist without you know leaning on the same old tricks so maybe maybe he is mm-hmm. looking ahead because i don't i don't know how they keep gale and salvor like i i honestly think that he is going to shove them into a time capsule at the end of this season he's going to be like okay i can do it for one more season because they kind of lampshaded it, it, it wouldn't offend me because yeah. even when even when they said like how the hell are you alive she's like well I spent the you know the last and so who says that like you could even say that yeah like I said it wouldn't offend me now I don't think they could do five seasons of that but mm. two seasons they could probably get away with yeah yeah hmm. a lot of interesting possibilities but it would all just be speculation. <laughs> Brian says, is it me or is Harry predicting empires in scare quotes downfall by setting up the scenario in which empire falls without psychohistory would empire even fall mm-hmm. into a dark age? Maybe they recede either right. way, but a 10,000 year long dark age. I don't know. It seems like since they took his wife and child, Harry has built his downfall timeline because his plan is to call the downfall of the empire himself. Revenge. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't agree with this take because I don't think the timeline matches up but well it's there's a, a it's something kernel. the show wants you to consider right yes absolutely and, and there's a kernel of this that is getting at something we we took a drive earlier this morning to get some stuff done and you brought up the topic of thematically is this show changing too much from the books mm-hmm. and you know I spoke about this in the intro I think I'm okay with that. If it does, it can be its own thing. Um, right. One of the things I enjoyed about that first book is seeing the grand scale change of a society um, from that, you know, thousand foot perspective. And now here in the show, we're very zoomed in on a lot of characters while still maintaining a bit of a thousand foot perspective, which I like. I do think that this these type of things risk losing some of that feel of the original books. I'm not saying it's it's necessarily a bad thing. I'm saying it becomes less of the focus the more we focus on individual characters. And again, I, I that's, think that's fine. That's, right. It, it's it's is that what they're trying to do? Is that intentional? Like I said, I, I think about. these questions are things like I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that the Goyer and the rest of the writers team already have figured this out. They have a, or maybe not. Sure. Maybe they're still trying to figure it out and like doing a little bit of gardener approach. But e- either way, um, the only thing I can say is like it, it's in, clearly we're intended to think that this is like you know the classic like it would you, the prophecy have come true if no one told you. 
And the fact that, like, right. I think Harry tells, like, if people know about cycle history, it fucks it up, too. The more people, like, what if the Empire just got on the holonet and said, this guy, Harry Seldon, thinks the Empire's going to fall so hard, we're going to take 100,000 years to get out of it. I say he's full of shit. I say cycle history's... I say, like, would that not change? Like, if 100 trillion people heard the message that, like, that the Emperor is designed to, like, I don't know. Um... So, like I said, the show is wanting you to question this. It's it's inviting For these sure. debates about you know causal. This is getting at causality, uh, uh, determinism, free will. You know, and I don't know if the books ever get there because I f- I felt like in the first book it was very much a given that psychohistory was true. I felt yes, um, very clockwork. It, yeah, and it was very much about just seeing the the evolution of this thing called society. Um, mm-hmm. In the show, I don't think it's ever a given that psychohistory is actually real. And that's that that's maybe the most uncomfortable thing I'm dealing with. Characters we like and respect and should know. Like the fact that Gale signed off on it, I feel like is as close to a it's real or at least as mathematically valid as possible, but the show's also sure. put a lot of doubt into it. Yeah, and I, I that's the thing. I it felt very given in the book. Here, it doesn't feel as given. Mm-hmm. It might still be true, but I, I'm not in every moment thinking, well, I trust in psychohistory. I don't have the unshakable faith that Constant has, you know? And I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just different. JJ says, so hi- psychohistory is a model that works when applied to hundreds of billions, even trillions of people over thousands of years. Because of the huge galactic population and extended period of time, any one person cannot alter the outcome. However, Harry and the model did not know that a single robot, Demerzel, would be one of the most important positions to impact the galaxy and to do it for over thousands of years. I'd argue that this anomaly is so significant that it fully destroys the psychohistory's ability to predict the future. Because mm, so he's not, not a book reader, so he can't he has no idea what the story is going to tell us. That's what I was going to say. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like Harry says, there are outliers. And the real question is how the fuck can you account for outliers? And Dimmerzel mm-hmm. is an outlier, but like, I think it's very obvious that Harry knows about mentalics. That's one of the reasons that Gale, you know, he was intrigued by Gale. Um, mm-hmm. and that he knew that just like he knew where the Invictus was that he had studied history enough that he had tracked down where the last robot was and her likely disposition I think that's all baked into his calculations I think you're right and I think it's pretty ex- I mean it's not this isn't the third step of the Martin reveal where you know he would just say hey I knew about Dimmerzel but like I thought this episode was very much a second step where it's like he's saying things the things he's saying to Dimmerzel would only make sense in the context of her being other uh, Nick from Kentucky says I couldn't help but wondering the meaning of the last episode the last empress do you think it's referring to Dimmerzel's the last empress and there hasn't been one since or is she the last empress and there won't yes. be another um, I can't help but think it's foreshadowing that Sarath and Day will never get married and she probably dies in the not too distant future Um, I think that uh, all meanings of that are accurate <laughs> it's quite possible on the latter I think the former is definitely true she is she has been the empress all along since Cleo yeah. the first yeah 
Ryan W. said, I want to bring this up after the podcast uh, for episode four originally, but now the latest episode, it reminded me at the end of episode four, when Hober Mallow is leaving constant back on Terminus after we thought they were going to get together, we hear the narrator say, with few exceptions, attraction is entirely irrelevant to human history. A lot of people interpret that as a downer thing, implying none of these love stories matter. Maybe I'm just an optimist, but initially struck me as, oh, these few must be the exceptions. Given the latest episode or the course of history just changed because Hober went to rescue Constant, I think that validates this. Um, agreed. I don't, did I, am I the one that was, did I come up with a negative review on that? Because I kind of thought similar things that. I definitely remember reading that ironically. Yeah, that you've got uh, Gale talking about Raish. You've got uh, Hober, you got Constant thinking about Hober. You've got like all these unlikely romances um, mm. that are going to impact the galaxy. And you even got like Sarah, you know, I think it's also in the context of Sarah and, and uh, Day. So, sure. Uh, Anders from Sweden says, am I the only one kind of rooting for the Cleonic Empire to go on? I wanted Constance's head chopped off. I hated the fact that a bum like Hober Mallow was able to run around freely at the heart of Trantor, saving Constant and escaping with the only defense being a couple of silly guards with the equivalent of BB guns shooting at them. Realistic, Hober and his Whisper ship should have been eliminated the second they jumped into Trantor. Uh, the whole Cleonic Empire gathered in the same spot with no ex- non-existent security. How the heck have they survived for 16 generations of a common bum like Hober Mallow can get away with something like this? Empire is even aware of the Foundation's ability to jump, so they should have been on high alert, especially at such a potentially significant event as this. Um, what's your thoughts well, on no. this, Jim? Okay, so they were of, they were aware of their ability to jump without spacers. They were not aware of their ability to jump without well, no, Bell was aware yeah. of their ability to jump without no, affecting aware. humans in the vicinity. Uh, I will throw something out there. I guess they haven't internalized it yet. Yeah, We were perfectly aware that you could fly an airplane into a tall building before 9-11. <laughs> sure. And yet we didn't do anything to harden the targets nor the potential weapons used against them. In fact, there was a, a book yeah. written like two decades before this, a very popular New York Times bestseller that had that as the climax of the novel someone crashing a plane into the i believe it was uh the house of representatives congress um so it's like just because a a threat is on your radar doesn't mean you harden yourself against it and i think it's especially silly in the context of the cleonic dynasty where like someone could bomb them giving a speech and they can always survive the next day Mm-hmm. because they just decant them and they're there and just makes their mystique grow. It's like, oh, they survived this this ruthless assassination attempt where everyone else died and the Cleon survived. Like, I don't think yeah. that's a, a bug. That's a feature. Makes a lot of sense. I didn't, and I'm sure everyone who was on that platform had been screened for weapons. Um, you know, it, it's like walking through airport security, right? We screen stuff. We make yeah. sure it's not a likely scenario, but... Yeah, you know, imagine everything in our power to prevent it. All imagine the whole world is ruled by a person in Hawaii, and they've outlawed boats and forbidden, like, and forbidden boat construction technology. They maintain all boats, and everyone on the island is a hand-picked loyal person to them. The security is going to look a lot different than like what we think of as a military fascist state, and that's what Trantor is. Trantor thinks. It is mm-hmm. an island in the middle of the uni- the galaxy where they have severed all non-sanctioned connections to them. There's no way an invasion fleet can come in. There's no way a commando team 
and they just haven't they just haven't adjusted to the new reality so i mean that's what they should be shitting his pants on the idea of like if i didn't get every whisper ship if i haven't wiped out the foundation yeah. i'm gonna have terrorist reprisal after terrorist reprisal and there's nothing i can do about it because i don't have the technology for it yeah, I don't think he's going to be thinking that coming out of this. I think he's going to assume he got the ball. That his no, the face at the end of this episode and, is not a yeah. man who has thought through the ramifications of his actions. Definitely not. He's in the, oh, fuck, yeah, I'm sewing. This is awesome. I can't believe it. I feel like I'm on top of the world. He's he's about to enter the, oh, fuck, this sucks reaping phase. But until then. So, yeah, I, if I anything, didn't find I would that think the does. hardened place should be the... Uh, memoriam and the uh, what do they call it where they store the clones that should be ultra hardened right the Principator- yeah the Principatorium Principium Princip- yeah Principium and and also probably backed off off planet backed up off planet like there's probably. no way this is the assume. only clone facility they have I would think I would think mm-hmm. I wouldn't uh, trust my family photos with that scenario <laughs> like if we could back stuff up to the moon I'd be doing it yeah right <laughs> Uh, Alan says for most of the scenes in this episode it felt like the show abruptly t- dropped he's talking about episode 8 two tiers in quality like if you jump from the first to the last season of Game of Thrones or maybe a better comparison would be like it suddenly came across like a mediocre Canadian import series you might find on sci-fi oh my god not Siffy not the visual effects which are still great but the writing direction even acting the dialogue didn't seem as smart and you get these kind of dumb action sequences like the previously formidable Empire troops turning even into more hapless stormtroopers against a single Hober Mallow. Um, it's funny, Alan, because you said, because you said that, like, I don't think the Empire's aura was sabotaged, like we were talking about. I think it was damaged by the blast and Hobart came slamming in. This entire plaza was hit by an extra dimensional flashbang. Like, I I don't think the Empire security was poor. It's just that they didn't inf- they didn't think that someone would hyper jump into the middle of their execution party, and like we saw what it did to Bell and Glaywin on the sh- the ship, right? Like it's like this multicolored, techno, colored, just psychic flash bomb that goes off. I I find it, and it's not like he kidnapped him, but it's like he went and grabbed one, but he didn't get, complete his entire mission to rescue both hostages. He half succeeded his mission almost at the cost of his life. I, I didn't I didn't find it implausible. You? Uh I, I think I'm probably just gonna have to agree to disagree on the whole email. I don't yeah. think the writing has been diminished at all this season. I think it's gotten even better. I think the acting has stood up. I will say that episode eight well. is where I was a little worried that there might be like, you know, like if they didn't handle like the like I said, the the that that dusk and rue thing i think that could have been silly there's a lot of things they could have done that came across as silly but so far they've they've not they've avoided all those potholes that i've seen so you know if some people aren't feeling it that's fine but yeah i I agree i agree to disagree finally al schlant says what's the prediction on time period for season three do we think it'll continue seamlessly from season two or will we get another hundred plus year time jump Maybe instead of cryosleep, they can use the time vault to catapult or some of our major characters into the future this time. Like they walk into the vault at the end of the season, and for season three, our Avengers team of heroes all walk out of the vault having decades passed. Mm. Ooh, bad news about that. Although you'd think that the vault survives. <laughs> Probably. Survives Probably. a black hole. Yeah. I mean, was 
how big of a black hole are we talking? Well, it's not that big. Because <laughs> I saw chunks of the planet falling away, right? It's not like it sucked mm. the whole planet gone in one bite. Mm. So there, there's a remnant area there, but it was very close to the black hole blast, let's say. Uh, the vault would be. Yeah, within anyway. sight of it landing, sure. Yeah, I think the vault survives. Here, here's the thing. They can't really jump past 150 years, right? Because that's, that's the hard... going to be a short-term jump. That yeah. feels like a finish line. That that feels like the White Walkers. At, at least at the beginning, they can't. I, I would be interested to see a season where we jump several times. We'll see if they mm. ever do that, but... Then the fact is, like, I don't... I go, who knows what will happen in the next episode. I'm about 10 minutes from finding out. But... <laughs> But I, I, I do think that it would be hard for them to take a big jump because there's just so much stuff unsettled. Like they've just, the mule, yeah. they just pushed over the, the set of the table, how we thought it was going to be constructed. They have to build something before we have a continuity where they can kind of throw that ball into the future and we can follow it. I mean, I don't know. True, you can, true. I've said this, it's like this is my seventh time. You can do anything. The only <laughs> thing you can't do is do a bad job at whatever you're doing. So there's, but I, I feel like if my instinct is that they're not going to take as big of a jump, it might be a jump, but it's not going to be as big of a jump because mm-hmm. we have so many questions that need to be answered. But again, they could answer all that. They could have, they could, this they, last they, they could or yeah. they could leave all that for mysteries for next season. But if mm-hmm. they do that, which is what I think they got to come back without too much time passing, like maybe one generation yeah. of days, you could have like Dawn is now day day is now dusk and dusk is dead but well, i don't want them to delay too much with the mule stuff either and that's 150 years into the future so but see goyer was saying wasn't he saying five episodes five seasons yeah i don't i don't know that i want the mule hanging over us for five seasons is what i'm saying well, I, what, what do you do post- i don't want that story to be kind of the grand arc right because it's too focused on on a single it goes, it goes back to individuals arc. you're right you're right, right. so we need to get to that and past it at some point during this series. That's the, that's to me. That's the trick. If they're going to do the the, the, the the trick that they that they got in front of them in my mind is Harry's got to get to a stable place where there is no one central deified figure. There, mm-hmm. when he's done maneuvering the chessboard, you cannot have a king or queen. You have to have some kind of foundation, some kind of elected body, some kind of democratic representative so that the galaxy can respond to the will of its concept or you're going to have the exact same situation that led to the chaos and fall in the first place which maybe i don't know maybe it's something that harry be fine a stable cycle of boom and bust if you can minimize the bust and extend the booms but to me it's like anything that leads up with a galactic spirit or a god emperor or Mm -hmm. uh you know an empress it's it's just not going to be it's not going to be good and the books don't complete the journey, right? They don't complete the arc of well, the story. It depends on where you want to say the books ended, like the original trilogy, the sequels, the prequels. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, and I don't, huh. I don't remember Goyer saying. I think, and I think he's already incorporating some of the prequel stuff into this. So it's like I, I don't sure. know exactly where they end. And I just had the haziest memories of what all this ends up in, in, in anyway so gotcha i'm not the best person to ask that um but yeah i don't know i, I honestly think the cryopods are going to like because like there's something about uh you, you guys don't notice because we didn't we didn't film it and release it but like when i made the joke about like you know me and jim talking about like our 
Salvor and Gale go to just jump in the time pods at the end of each season. And he, there's a little bit of like a hand caught in a cookie jar expression of like, he didn't want to be like, ha ha ha, that's just fucking stupid and ridiculous, right? Because I kind of think he's going to do it at least one more time. I think that was yeah. the look of a man who's a little bit of like, oh God, these guys are might shit their pants when when they see that. But I mean, I'd probably tolerate one more time is just if it becomes a pattern. I mean, two times is a coincidence. Three times is a pattern, right? And yet, yeah, but like again, it's like, could they make it to where it feels very satisfying when the capsules... I don't know. Like I said, you can do anything. I, I feel like a parody show, like this is like, that's Danger 5, right? Like at the end of the episode, it always ends up with people getting the crap. Like you could do... But it seems like it, if you did it more than once or twice, it would start to seem like a parody of... Yeah. You know, it's time to jump in the sleep machine because the season's over. Sleep machine montage, everybody. Say goodnight to mm. Gale and Salvor. They're going to dream away the season. And that was funny on some of the older shows I love, like The Next Generation, when memes kind of develop naturally. Because you have, you sure. know, dozens of writers working on these things kind of independently and just bringing in scripts and ideas. Here it's a very centralized brain trust putting this together. It would feel... yeah less like a meme and more like well you guys just that's bad that's just bad right <laughs> yeah it's like it's like if uh, you know we had this thing that everyone called the picard maneuver it's like when uh-huh. patrick stewart would tug at the you know his it would ride up and he'd always tug at the bottom of his and that turned into like a character quirk but if they wrote imagine if they wrote captain picard being fidgety and twitchy uh-huh. they did no it's, that's something that it's so it's like it's but, the stuff they're trying to lean into with modern star trek the, those old jokes and memes yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. that feels artificial because mm-hmm. they it, it's very knowing it's very wink at the camera type stuff that's what I'm and, saying it's hard to come up with an organic way to do like everyone jumps into the time pods at the end of the season but <laughs> without it feeling yeah cheesy and I, I agree I, I, I agree. also have a sneaking suspicion we're gonna have at least one more time pod not tide pods time pods <laughs> mm-hmm. so um, that's it that's it for the episode once again if you'd like to send the feedback to the show uh, foundation at baldmove.com is how you do it I do want to remind people that this is the last opportunity to get Goyer feedback because due to his schedule uh, we're going to have to record this we'll, we'll have an opportunity to see the finale but you guys won't have yet when we sit down and talk to him um, so this will be the last opportunity um, unfortunately we won't, we won't be able to get with him after the finale airs so uh, if you do have a question for Goyer make sure you put that word in the subject line somewhere so I can get it out foundation of baldmove.com if you'd like to follow with uh, the other stuff that we're doing we just wrapped up Justified we're about to start Loki um, we've got and what's the other thing uh, I know uh, Fargo is coming out late this year Sterile freaking Speaking Dixon of- man Oh, Daryl Dixon on The Walking Dead. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of Don Draper earlier this, this this podcast, we got him in Fargo this season. Uh, lots of stuff to follow the bald move as we stare down the impending content dead apocalypse uh, just because they're just stopped making stuff in Hollywood now because of the, the strike, because of the owner, the, the producers in... in uh, they're, they're quite uh, they're they're daylight insistence on the way, the, the keeping the things going the way they are. And uh, not not unclenching their fist a little bit. Uh, you can also follow, yeah, you can follow everything we're doing on our social media. Uh, that's where I was trying to get to everything at Bald Move, whichever social media you want, except for TikTok, where Baldest Move there. 
Uh, finally, if you like to support what we're doing, you like us, you, you you like what we're doing, you want more of it, you want less ads, you want no ads, in fact, support.baldmove.com is where you go. That's going to be it for us today. Again, don't, get those questions into Goyer, foundation at baldmove.com. We'll see you next week for the finale. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Respect and enjoy the podcast. Yeah.